you something? Yes, always, you know that. I've been having dreams about a girl on Arrakis. I don't know what it means. Dreams make good stories. But everything important happens when we're awake. Hey, you. Put on some muscle? I did? No. We are House Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts! I know you. There's something awakening in my mind. You need to face your fears. Come with me. You need to be ready. I've never met Harkonnens before. They're not human, they're brutal. The Duke suddenly sees too much. This is my dude. Kill them all. God in heaven. Get everything with guns off the ground! Go! This is an extermination. They're picking my family off one by one. Let's fight like demons. That was not the future of House Atreides. A great man doesn't seek to lead. He's called to it. But if your answer is no, you'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. My son. If anything happens, will you protect Paul? With my life. Only together can we stand a chance. I wasn't going to say anything, but you know I wanted to. 
All right, welcome to the Dune Redux episode of Movie Night Extravaganza and our first uh, stream as a Twitch affiliate channel or whatever. Um, we did as episode five or six, I believe. I guess it was six because I think five was uh, five was past the glory. But um, episode six, we did uh, uh, Dune, the David Lynch one from the 80s and um, 1986, I believe. And... Um, you know, I, I I think that we've all we've all seen Dune now, the 2021 uh, version, and so you know, talking about that and kind of comparing the two is a is a great idea, I think, for a for a stream. Um, I'm here with you know my co-host Jay Andrew World. The sleeper has awoken. <laughs> Protonic reversals own and Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends is own Conan Neutron for day day three streaming with us. And literally just said protonic finished up like five minutes ago. Yeah. 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I was, I was plugging it. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to help out so. with that. Um, Dude, Middle let's Eastern go professor. And uh, this is revolution crew. Gene Vajlon. Greetings everybody. It's a pleasure to be here this evening to discuss the wonderful movie. That was June. I, yeah. Yeah. And I know you, I know how excited you've been about, uh, this movie coming out and you know i think it, it didn't disappoint whatsoever um all right we're also joined by jeremy salmon from uh giving the mic to the wrong person moods are a thing for love play and or cattle wait i got that wrong oh whatever <laughs> hi and renee rune who as i say always is so so across the internet that it's hard to even uh introduce her but she does night shift and has uh movie reviews pretty much everywhere and i think everyone knows 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 you at this point because you've been on you know at least a couple of these streams you're on our first uh our yeah. first twitch stream that we did whatsoever like you know all together um yeah. yeah so this this movie was definitely uh epic to a level that i mean you know i i watched it like three weeks after it came out so everyone was already like kind of dune posting about it for um <laughs> for the full amount of time before I even got a chance to see it. And I finally went and saw it, I think two weeks ago in the theater. And it was the first time I went to a movie theater since COVID and everything. And I wanted to wait until I was going to a movie theater and yeah, no, it, it really, it blew me away. Um, anybody, anyone want to, you know, give some opening thoughts about it? Yeah. I can remember I that was the... before you guys say anything. It's not out in Australia. <laughs> really? Wow. Really? So we, no, so we have to watch it illegally. <laughs> so yes, I have seen it twice, but yeah, it's not at the cinema yet. Well, it's a drag. It probably won't be for a few months. Welcome why? Why is? Why is? What's the? What's the disconnect? Like why? Uh, it takes a long time for them to put to put Dune on a boat. Uh, everything that comes out of over. Mm, everything that comes out in America comes out here six to twelve months later. We're in uh, the except, ex except except for home and away, which is fresh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and neighbors, super fresh. And neighbors on it. Super fresh with <laughs> yes. your neighbors and your home and away. And uh, so I haven't know. had the pleasure. Yeah, so I haven't had the pleasure of being able to see it in a cinema, but um how, how did, did you watch it on uh, it. did you watch it on the big TV at least or did you watch I just it on watched your... it on live uh, on a on my uh, TV, and then I watched it on my laptop. Yeah, it's like not a it's like not a good laptop movie. And I'm not advocating no. for doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, all right. No, uh, I watched it on, um, yeah, I watched Big um, so Jeremy wanted to go and have some, have some opening thoughts on this. I think, well, my main thought was, yeah, this really was, especially when they announced that they were pushing it, uh, last fall was, I can remember even being on group chats and people were like, yeah, I just want to, you know, it's kind of, this was everybody kind of decided that this was going to be the film that when they finally came up with this, we were all hoping that, okay, hopefully everybody's va the vaccine will be out. And, you know, let's like, this will mark like everybody's return to actually movie going again. And I think it safely it safely did that, and it was kind of well worth the wait. No, it's um, I don't know. I it's, I enjoyed it. We we went to the local like a little the local little art house instead of heading to the uh, the multiplex IMAX. But uh, hopefully, I can get in. We can get an IMAX viewing in before it leaves. So we'll, we'll find out. Uh, one review from uh, I did enjoy it, but. Uh, seen as how I was, you know, <laughs> the first film came out when I was eight and I was raised on it because my dad taught a science fiction class in his high school. And so it was just uh, and, you know, not, it's one of the things. So I'm kind of like the target demo for this. And I was like, OK, well, me being target demo, I was uh, quite pleased with the exception of the fact that um, the I don't think that there was as much quotable dialogue this time around, shall we say. And even even when there was, you know, I think a lot of the voices were like so low and like did that like uh, did that fantasy action movie thing where like, you know, some of the time it was almost like the voices got drowned out by, um, you know, uh, like other sounds that were happening, which is I, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying like the sound mix was bad. I don't think it was. But, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, like today's filmmaking with with when it's like these big epic movies, I feel like sometimes that part, that piece of it gets lost in the mix. I mean, I don't know if anyone else feels I like that. I felt like it was deliberate. I thought it was like very deliberate that they made the voices like that because they wanted yeah. the sand to be like a key component of what was going on. So it was like. And, and it was indeed yeah. that sand was a key component of what was going on. Exactly. So it was like they were trying to get you in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, just disappointed that Hayden Christensen didn't play uh, Paul because that would have been perfect. Just to see him really? go, I don't like sand. I was very, I was very pleased with the with the casting. They didn't go too crazy with trying to cast like huge names, but they had a few good ones. And I, I think Timothy, I personally love Timothy Chalamet, and I um. I thought he was perfect for the role. He fits the correct age group. He he looks like he's fifteen, even though he's nineteen or twenty, whatever he is. And um, so he, he kind of fits that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's dating that yeah. older lady, that old actress. He was in, but, he um, was in the, yeah, he was and in, then like he was in the Henry the Eighth movie. If anyone saw that, no, the Henry the Fifth movie that they did. Yes, one of the Henrys. He was a no Henry. The king. He, yeah, the king, yeah. and that because that, that had. Well, the, like, that had uh, what's his name? Um, that had the guy from Twilight in it as the French king. Remember that? No. Yes, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Robert Pattinson doing a French. He was actually accent. able to act in it. Well, uh, no, his accent yeah, was terrible. Yeah, it was pretty man. funny. He was like, "Ah, I'm the king oh, of it was France." Horrendous. It was like I was like, "You fucking kidding me?" Yeah. It's like a it he bad. sounded like he was from Monty Python. He's like, "I'm the king of France." Yeah. <laughs> hey, the king of France over here. <laughs> 
Mm. Accents, like, accent Don't make me talk through a second time. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw well, one. I just yeah, quick I, look. Oh, sorry, real quick. I just did a quick on uh, on Chalamet. I did a quick look uh, run by IMDb, and according to the IMDb, IMDb dates, both Kyle MacLachlan and uh, and Young Timothy were both like 24, 25 when they played Paul on when they were when they shot their versions of Dune. So it's kind of like just the uh, the two guys at the same age, except yeah, except they. Um, I will say this: yeah, Timothy pulls off the little like you know adolescent little twinky. You know, stick kid, far better than uh, than looks very yeah. Yeah, the McLaughlin ever could. Also, it's really funny to see like set somewhere. I I I'll go. I can show you my. I actually have like the little collectible behind the making of Dune, like the '84 version, which is worth it just for the behind the set photos because you get to see uh, you get to see Lynch talking to McLaughlin, and they both have the exact same hair. Like that night, you know, nice, prominent, big yeah. 1984 helmets. And it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's very much just like, oh, I wonder why uh, Lynch decided he could take this kid, un- this young actor under his wing as kind of his little mentee for, uh, for about 12 years. But they were hair twinning. Yeah. Yeah. I love Kyle McLaughlin. I just don't think, I mean, I just don't think June was done right by Lynch. And Lynch even said this just last year in April that it's one of the greatest, saddest, memories and moments of his life and he wishes that he didn't do dune so he's on the same page he knows that it was not good but like um i think this revival has just like it's been what the the readers and the people who've read the books and love the books we've is what been what, what we've been waiting for where dune the both failed versions the, the tv series and then the other Lynch's both failed miserably in trying to bring a, a saga together. And I think that's where this film um, works really well, is it actually brings it together as a saga. And you, you, you're going in to see this massive thing rather than, I think now when I look back on Lynch's version, it's kind of cheesy and looks like it's this weird out of space kind of daggy thing. And you don't get that same level of, I don't know. It's not like, to me, um, Dune, the new one feels like a Star Wars movie. It's got it's that epic. same epicness yeah. about it. Well, yeah. I think I think that what really shines through um, is that, you know, it seems like everybody really involved in planning it out, writing it, like really loved the books, like wanted to create mm-hmm. something that was a lot like the books. And it felt like David Lynch um, didn't really want to do that because he wasn't necessarily the, you know, he had read them, but he wasn't like a big fan of, of the books whatsoever. So mm. it felt like David Lynch was trying to do like a David Lynch movie that happened to be around like the same, you know, characters as, as doing it. And while, uh, you know, while this version feels like it's, it's um, very true to the books, very serious, not really trying to like, you know, do anything campy whatsoever, really trying to get it, you know, as, as, uh, as realistic, uh, you know, for those books as possible. Well, I think I think also, uh, and I mentioned this last time we talked about Dune, the David Lynch movie completely missed the point of the Dune book because it made uh, Paul Atreides a messiah when the entire point of the book is that Paul, Mas- Paul Atreides being a messiah is something that has been planned and fabricated. Uh, and is he isn't really a messiah. Whereas at the end of the David Lynch movie, it's like rain turns up, worms are dancing you know it's freaking it's party time with the with the savior 
This one, they've set things up a lot better to kind of have that ambiguity in it. One of the things I believe that makes June an interesting story and why people like it and why it resonates with people is something that one of the reasons that people like Game of Thrones, for example. The first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones and the books were about people who didn't really have that much agency in what they could do, but were stuck by social structures and conditions into you know making decisions which were not necessarily good for him and the reason people ended up hating game of thrones is because it transformed into that just like typical american style psychodrama where it's all about like how everybody's feeling rather than how people are shaped by the social structures around them in this you know you get this line very early on it's like uh paul's like i don't want well, i don't feel like doing my practice and uh gurney halleck's like What's feelings got to do with it? Because this none of this is to do with Paul uh, Paul Atreides' feelings. He is just being thrust by force of circumstances into uh, making political and social decisions. He doesn't really have much agency. And for those of you who haven't read the books, you know this this continues to be the theme that you know even though uh, uh, Paul Atreides has this oracular ability, even that doesn't give him any agency because he's just like, uh, fuck all the decisions are crappy. Right. So, you know, I think, the, uh, I think they, they've set that up a lot better. The cuts that they made to the story. Some, I was honestly, I was a bit disappointed. There was none of the spy plot, which I think kind of, that doesn't really matter for the first movie, but I think it's going to like, it, it's going to come back. Uh, it's going to, they're going to have to do something because it will, Things later on won't make as much sense. I think um, when they turn up on Arrakis, it's like they land, everything's fucked up, and it's like, oh, my God, there's no rest. In the book, there's a feast scene, which kind of, um, you know, it's where everyone's kind of chilling, so they, they have a little bit of respite, and, it, and, and I think it heightens the drama at the portrayal by having that. But that being said, those were logical cuts to make, given the time constraints that were placed on it and to defend, you know, like to defend the, uh, the miniseries, right. I think the miniseries was like not that bad when it came to being like faithful to the book. It was just, it had like a shitty budget and they were doing it in a sound studio and someone was painting fucking the, the sky around it and it didn't look. So I, I think this one has done a really good job and I, and, and I will sort of finish on this. I've heard, I've seen some criticism about um well there's a couple of criticisms some criticism about like the color palette but i think it was nice i think it was a, a nice change because the david lynch one was so uh garish and the one that everybody goes on about the jodorowsky one that was never done that was like completely bonkers i think this one having more muted, muted tones and things like that i think it gave it a kind of like a more heavy feel to it and i, I and i kind of appreciated it um that it wasn't super super weird but there was still kind of cool alien bits in it. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't the type of color palette that. And Andy, I'll let you. I'll let you go. Like right after okay. this, I, I just wanted to say, um, I, I don't think it was the kind of color palette that everyone you know complains about with with like like Marvel movies kind of making everything very gray or like even like a like a, a blue that turns into like a blue green gray. Like I don't think it was like that at all. It, you really just felt the overpowering like desert of Arrakis. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it doesn't. I feel like it's it's a little bit different when it's actually set on a desert planet and like the desert really is the centerpiece of everything. You know what I mean? Like 
like just even even like the still suits like everything is is like the lack of you know moisture they really have like you know the, the heat everything like, it's just not conditions that like uh you know human beings from other places that haven't adapted to it should be living in and it makes perfect sense that everything is is that like brownish uh sand like you know what i mean like i i, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like any of the colors were out of place. I feel like if they had made it more colorful, it would have been out of place. I don't, I, I'm going to just, you know, uh, disagree a little bit because uh, one, one of the things I loved about Return of the Jedi, and, and yes, I'm bringing this up, uh, Return of the <laughs> Jedi, everybody, um, is that that uh, what George Lucas specifically made sure that each each set, uh, you know, whether it be the Death Star, whether it be Tatooine, whether it be uh, Endor. Uh, the color schemes kind of like you know you would tell you where you were even if you kind of missed the transition shot um uh, and, and it's it's a small thing that that he did so you can make uh some quick cuts at times and, and you don't necessarily need something as as drastic as, as what uh, george lucas did um and, and i don't think i don't think george lucas necessarily used those color palettes uh to to the effect of say like the the uh uh director cinematography of this movie because he he really does uh, capture light and, and did a great job at times um, filming at that uh, that golden hour as the sun setting, uh, where, where you get that nice warm color on everybody's face. Uh, I, a great I job was... capturing the sand. Sand. Yes. This this show um, is brought to you by my, sand. My problem <laughs> lies. My problem lies <laughs> is when they they're still on Caladan, and they they film everything just like, like that that time before the sunrise so everything is a little more gray on the ground gray blue and this yeah uh, and, and i i don't i don't think they quite nailed it on, on the caladan scenes and, and i i just uh, i i think that caladan needed to be a bigger contrast uh of color to arrakis um it's a small thing and and so like you know uh the, the uh the almost spartan black sets of the uh and i forget the harkonnen homeworld i'm sorry about that dino g gd prime gd prime yeah um and also and yeah. also uh second yeah. um, uh secundus like salus the uh the sardar planet which are all i couldn't after i couldn't tell the sorry to interrupt but i couldn't tell the difference between really between gd prime or uh secundus the uh the emperor seleucus secundus yeah that's what it was yeah yeah, and, and that's that's the thing is like like each planet should have its own like personality, and and there's ways you can do that. I mean, you don't have to hit people over the head with color, like say like Suicide Squad, uh, or anything like that, you know. But there, there are subtle ways that could have been done, and I think that is the the one failure of the movie is is because uh, it's it's almost like it's uh, following the trend from um, uh, Nomadland where, where they filmed everything at that pre dawn moment, but but uh, Chloe Zhao really did a beautiful job capturing the colors of the sky to contrast it with the gray of the people on the ground. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's a, it's something that's been going on and, and uh, you know, in humans, uh, not in humans, I'm sorry. Um, Eternals, which I haven't seen yet, but all the stuff that I've seen from it looks uh, very similar to nomad land color wise. Um, you know, uh, and, and I thinking that this is like the, the current trend in Hollywood is, is that kind of, you know, um, uh, pl playing with uh, uh, the sunsets like that. I think, yeah, okay. yeah, I think I've got to go with Dijeen on this. I think I've got to say I agree with Dijeen because I think, I think, you know, the parts with the Fremens and then with the Emperor, I thought they were very clear. Like, 
everything goes really dark and it's all done in a very nice subtle way i think if it was too over the top it kind of ruins the entire vibe so i i agree with dejean on on that i think that the I think that the sets and the scenes and colors, I think, were perfect, and they are Dennis's like trademark. So I feel like he stuck to a palette and worked within the palette. Like, you know, Fremen had their own kind of color scheme, which was the grayer, the darker, and the rocks. And then when you went to the Emperor, everything went to that blackness. So I kind of like. I kind of really enjoy. It. I like the the palette. I didn't really want to see sunsets and stuff or like, you know, like any kind, it's a dark film about kind of a, you know, a hard topic, which seems like a simple one. So I think the, the, I, I liked it that way. I think. Conan, what do you think? Well, as I established <laughs> when we did the first uh, Dune stream, uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Dennis's other movies. I think uh, I think Enemy is actually wild underrated. I think Prisoners is astounding. Um, Cesario is great. I Incendies, and although Blade Runner 2049 is like the least necessary sequel I ever could think of, I thought it was actually a pretty darn good film. The storyline mm -hmm. I I'd like, I'd like most... to I'd like to do it um, during during the Sci-Fi Month. By the way, I mean sure. we talked about that, but I think it yeah yeah we. I just rewatched it and I was like, you know what? This is so two things. It was better than I remembered it being. I also, once again, find myself more drawn to the joy story rather than the actual, uh, you know, the Blade Runner part of it, which, cause there's basically kind of two stories in one. It's like, Oh, well that's closer to the do Android's room of electric sheep mindset. than the whole thing with, uh, you know, what's his nut and, and the, um, and the fake Rachel Rosen and, and, and all that. But the point of fact is I, I wasn't trying to talk about any of those things. And the fact that like this guy loves like doing the Roger Deakins, like crazy, like color thing. So I think when it was like, he's doing Dune, well, of course you're going to have like the sweeping vistas of like, you know, the, the, the sand earth tones and things along those lines. And again, I also think, this is a wild opinion. This is a different kind of a movie to experience on a small screen versus on a big screen. And I got, I got knocked out by uh, Andrew world down there uh, for buying a big ass TV, like probably the first adult purchase I've done in my, in my, uh, in my life. And it is pretty awesome and also pretty big. So watching on that versus watching the old one, I was like, Oh, like it was breathtaking. So you can only imagine like if you're seeing like an IMAX or something, like the sweeping vistas and all that. I think it hits different. And and you know, I know Quentin Tarantino gets all pissed off when people watch his movies on the phones and stuff like that. That's the world we live in. I get it. But it is Lynch had a famous quote about that. It, in, indeed. It's epic. And, and like there's so few movies, there's so many movies that try to be epic. And trying to be epic is cringy to me. But well, this, I mean, this is kind this of movie um, is inspired by Lawrence of Arabia. Like, you know what I mean? So like kind of the most epic, um, like not to interrupt, I'm just saying like um, to, to add to that, to the point you're making, like this movie is kind familiar. of inspired by, by, by Lawrence of Arabia and like the most kind of the most epic uh, sweeping desert movie of all time. Like it's, it's kind of takes its, takes its cues from that rather than kind of trying to um, create like a different, a different style of epic. That I think, um, I mean, not that not that it copies that movie, but like you know, just instead of trying to create like a 
um, you know, like creating its own lane and going, this is an epic lane. It's kind of taken in the in the um, in kind of in the shadow almost of one of the most epic movies, I think, really of all time, which I think yeah. inspired the books, too, to a certain degree. Right. Didn't Frank, well, wasn't Frank Herbert into that crap? I can answer that. Uh, well, I think it was all it was. Well, to also another, you know, Star Wars famously being another film taking more than a little bit of inspiration from both Dune and uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, you name it. But uh, no, but Frank Herbert was actually um, working, I think, about a couple hours south of where I am on um, around. I think it's someplace on the Oregon coast west of Eugene, because there actually there was a there was a there, he was re, as a journalist. He was is researching he, is Eugene different than uh, Dijine. Um, it's you. You have to add. The, <laughs> you, uh, yes, it's more. You have to add the EU to the front of it, so it's more Greek. She's uh, from right. Australia. Lay off. Can <laughs> <laughs> I say anything the, properly? I didn't realize it was a. a oh, you're on mute. Um, say it, say Gene. <laughs> it was on a. Uh, he was as. as I didn't uh, realize Chinese. that it was a silence at the beginning. It's a mystery. It's I call it a mystery day. You know, because the ladies love yeah. mystery day. And um, <laughs> door for your mystery day. But um, but like Jeremy is quite correct. The inspiration was his work as an environmental journalist, in which he was uh, doing work, as you say, somewhere in Oregon on sand dunes and, and you know ecological systems, because the ecological, you know, the ecological aspect of the dune novels is extremely important. I think it's captured pretty well in this one as well as you can capture because you know there's a lot of expository uh uh you know there are some there are some sci-fi novels that just have a lot of expository and dune's one of them right you know and they do an okay job like doing the show and tell so he was very influenced by this and he was influenced by other things i think i mentioned before you know, he would he would have he would have grown up with stories of the Sudanese Mahdi. He would have grown up with stories of Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, you know, obviously there's this kind of Oriental uh, Orientalist Elan to to this movie. But you know, the people going like, "Ah, oh, Paul Atreides is a fucking white savior." This is like the most boring and like canned freaking uh, postmodern English professor. Um, you know. Uh, critique of the of there's a lot of problematic things about frank herbert like some of this like gender essentialism uh some of his like really dodgy um his dodgy opinions on uh women and he's also a dodgy political ideology as well but like the Oriental yeah i wanted to i wanted to ask you about that actually um so i'm happy you brought it up i wanted to ask you um where you think that i mean Frank Herbert, you know, in general, I guess, but also like these books kind of fall on that because there's been a lot of, there's been, you know, a, a fair amount of debate about whether they're, I mean, not necessarily fascist, but like reactionary. Um, no, I mean, know, whether I, there's, yeah. It's like a critique of the, like one of the things Herbert's reacting against is like the bureaucratization uh, of the like New Deal era. Like he was kind of libertarian orientated and he felt like this de de uh, bureaucracy that was created post New Deal. These experts and things like that were stifling the creativity of, of, of people. So, you know, on one hand, you know, the critique is of this, you know, decadent, stagnant empire dominated by cartelistic groups 
by decadent homosexuals, all these kind of things, uh, uh, versus this vibrant um, kind of people who like do things themselves, who bootstrap themselves and who adapt to this uh, ecology, which in many ways, and I mentioned this last time, echoes the philosophy of Ibn Khaldun, the great sociologist of the Islamic world, who saw the development of civilization as being a conflict between the people of the periphery who may be savage, but have like a strong morality and esprit de corps, and then a decadent, uh, decadent, uh, mm, decadent, tasty um, <laughs> group yeah, of do people. That, do the Homer Simpson. <laughs> engaging in all kinds of sexual things. And uh, I mean, because like Hakonan is a pedophile in it, right? You know, like it's kind of implied that he's a pedophile. Um, and which which David which David Lynch definitely capitalized on and doesn't seem like the this version of it capitalized on except for you know the scene where he's reading from the black book and then gets in his plane no I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> I don't know I just thought, thought I wanted to do a Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein humor in this episode yeah <laughs> and where but and where was the ballast set I was I wanted to see some ballast set action. there was no fucking ballast set was that yeah. like where's Gurney Halleck and his fucking get, getting down and shredding. I was gonna say at least uh, I mean they cut it, but at least Lynch filmed a scene of them just like hey, you know I think it was supposed to take place right after they meet uh, Liet Kynes in the uh, in the in the in the in the other film where they just like you can act, you know he's actually playing I mean yeah it's a um, it's a Chapman stick that they attached to like a blower with a little like revolving fan at the bottom but the problem you watch it like oh my god that's Cha that's a Chapman stick in us in a in an 80s sci-fi film but yeah one of the things I was talking about um like all of the you know the phantom and the stuff going into this of like you know the, how many of the film crews being of you know f fans of the material is i'm curious if they both shot enough and if there's enough support to do like a peter jackson style three four hour long cuts to, you know extended cut you know it's they do it do what they did for dr sleep you just you know you you add you make it like a, this long thing you chapterize it and you put it out on discs and so people can watch it as if they're watching like a, a, a nice little six episode HBO show or something just to kind of like help sketch out the the other bits of the world because there's a lot I don't know I will say this the, the um I think <laughs> the film really does kind of need you to have either read the book or seen the other film because there's a lot of stuff that uh, yeah that there's a lot of background info that you really you know, at least like the little stitchy points to kind of connect everything. And yeah, they do not, they don't slow walk you through any of it. Like they don't, you know what I mean? Like, which isn't necessarily something that I dislike, but like they, they don't kind of give you this, which I think that on some level we've kind of been in some ways spoiled by kind of Marvel movies and like superhero movies that kind of really, really slow walk you through a plot. You know what I mean? Like they're like, let's try to make a movie that you could have never even heard of this character and the central character never read any of the comic comics and all this stuff. And we can just kind of slow walk you through it. This movie didn't do that, but I also think that it kind of did, didn't do it to a point where it's like, um, you know, like I, like I, I saw echoes cause I haven't read the books, but I saw echoes of, you know, the David Lynch uh, version of it in, in different scenes and like kind of knew what the chronology of it was going to be. But like, I, I do think that if I hadn't seen that movie, I would be like, what the fuck is going on right now? Um, well, I will yeah. say if, if I can just interject real quick. Yeah, Cuck, well, I, I a couple of people 
I was going to say, I like, I like the, Conan, this movie. You can always interrupt me. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that about you, Renee. Uh, Just know I like that your voice has to get all the way to Australia. It takes, you know, a few couple seconds. <laughs> it takes a minute. Uh, it, it's like it's like doing a podcast with someone who's in a space capsule or something, right? There's a delay. Uh, <laughs> the It shows you rather than tells you. And I say that as someone that when we did the, the De Laurentiis uh, Lynch Dune, I insisted that we watch the extended length one, which has all the subtlety of a um, video game cutscene explaining what's going on, right? Like, it's just like, here's all this stuff that's, you know, here's, a, and then this happened, and then this happened. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. And if you're Boys into the mythos, it, it's cool. And, and it, it, but if you're not, I can tell you from experience, it's for people that are not already down with it. Like, what are you making me watch right now? Like, why are you making me watch this? Whereas what I like about Dennis's Dune is that, yeah, it kind of makes you play catch up the entire time, but really it's all there. It doesn't do that like Star Wars prequel thing of telling you how you should feel or like what's happening, like in this really like kind of overt, very ridiculously like small minded sort of way. It actually shows you. So did it get all of the, the politics and intrigue? Of course it didn't. It's a goddamn movie, not a lifestyle choice. Thank yeah. you. Yourself. Yeah. I, I will say that I, I there is that. Yeah. That kind of, I don't even know what it's called, but it's just called, it's called, it's something like the, yeah, the insanely long uh, Dune super fan cut, which is like three hours and plus, but I wish I did like that one. Cause at least that one told you what the Butlerian Jihad was, which is an awesome concept in the, you know, in the lore of the film that I wish, you know, could kind of, <laughs> it's one of those things that kind of, you know, real heads know, and it even gets kind of traded around either online or, you know, like Chapel makes constant references to it, but I wish it had been um, at some point they figure out a way how to mention it or get the concept out there to explain a lot of things. That said, uh, uh, the two mentats, I thought were interesting contrasts to, again, to the low interest one, but it, uh, I mean, I think like yeah, what's his name? David Dalmatian, I think his name is the guy who played Polka Dot in uh, Polka Dot Man in Suicide Squad. I thought he only, I mean, he was he only gets like what six minutes of screen time, make maybe that, and um, not enough I, pie to not enough pie to DeVries. Yeah, and I think and I and I and also same with Thufer, uh Stephen McKinley Henderson, which I thought he was great in what little they uh, they let him do. Although they did let him do like one calculation scene, which has already been which is already going to be like a solid meme for a while. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because you're so you're speaking about and let's again for the people that are not super fans, let's talk about the fact that there's a whole thing about computers, right? That like in the, in the historical record of Dune like didn't actually turn out so well. So are these, they're these dudes that are basically computers. So that's a lot that that's, a, and, and Gene, I know you, you want to, you want to like, probably want to like, you know, clarify it and fine, but I'm saying like, these are advanced concepts that like, I like the fact that you just have to figure out, Oh, well he's what, why is his eyes doing that? Oh, well, because he's, he's, he's coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's very, he can watch all of the porn that's ever existed. <laughs> All yeah, he's, 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 he's awesome, everybody. Hey, he's, he's a mentat. He's 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 by nature, by nature and by training, he's sapiosexual. He's he was coming to knowledge, and um, yeah, anyway. I bet he's got some sap going on after all that. <laughs> I think the the Fremens as well with the blue eyes because they were so bright. 
and the way they are. I think they worked effectively because the rest of the scenery was so warm and low and neutral. I think if it wasn't, they would look comical. And I think that's why that, you know, if they, he had have dialed everything up brighter, the eyes wouldn't have been a key thing. They would look a bit. Blue with blue. Blue with blue. But um, to speak to Conan's point, I mean, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> there's no uh, there's no robots and stuff because you know they they jihaded the robots. Um, but um, really, like if you think about it, it's like the ultimate 60s 60s sci-fi, right? There's like all these conspiracies, right? Everybody is kind of there's all this stuff about conditioning, right? Ooh. And you get smashed on drugs and can see the historical dialectic. Like that's what happens. Well, what happened to uh, what happened to Forrest? Is he being <laughs> he's sporting my logo? Yeah, he's nicked somebody's uh, login. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's using my Criterion <laughs> channel. Yeah, everyone listen to my show here. It's over here. Um, he um, my bad, Forrest. <laughs> I found, um, I was going to say, like, yeah, if you're not, like, I love what you said, Conan, about it, like, showing you rather than telling you. Um, but I found it really amusing in the last couple of weeks here in Australia. Numerous different people have seen the film and there's two there's two sets of people. Love it or what the fuck was that? That was so slow. I fell asleep. It was so boring. And um, it's funny because some of my coworkers, they're very divided, like, Two of, the co two of my co-workers was like, it was the boringest thing I've ever seen. I have no idea what the point of it was. And I was like, what? And then the rest of my co-workers are all like, can't stop talking about it. And they've watched it three, four times now. And we're, we're all planning a big cinema thing. So I think, um, you know, it is a fan film essentially, but I think they did it in a nice way that if you do have half a brain, <laughs> so that you will... You know, you can get it from watching it without knowing the book. I totally agree. I think I think Conan is is kind of correct because people are, uh, you know, like a lot of movies today treat people like they're stupid and they can't yeah. work things out. It's like you know, you can fucking work out the guys like doing a maths calculation with the super brain because his eyes yeah. went up and he was like numbers, 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 and that yeah. was enough. That's all we need. We don't need a fucking. Uh, monologue about uh, the human computers, the mentes, the human yeah. computers. So we don't need that. And I think most of the things were done. Like the best one was the um, was the the way that he could see the future because it was like, is he seeing the future? Oh, he's not seeing the future. He's seeing possible futures. He didn't fucking say yeah. it, but it was like, oh, you could work it out if you want a moron, right? So like, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, yeah. like, I don't like the fact that like a lot of modern movies treat you like an idiot and have to like spoon feed you people should like movie makers should have more respect for their audience yeah. because i think they can work it out yeah 100 right that's my like biggest like issue with modern filmmaking is that you know everything is dumbed down to a ridiculous point yeah the, and, uh... Uh, it ruin it can ruin like the story by just making it it's like uh, over here and it's no no offense to anyone in, in this room, but as a general, like, saying, we always say, like, you know, something's been Americanized, or which means dumbed down. So, like, you know, they'll take, like, a 
an amazing film, horror film like The Grudge. And then they'll make the worst version you've ever seen in your life where they basically tell you word for word what is happening. And the best part about that film was that you had no idea what was happening and it was scary because you didn't know and all of those things, but instead they don't trust their audience and make it like a word for word, here you go, this is what it means, this is what's happening, this is why, like that kind of thing. And so, yeah, that's one of my biggest pet peeves with any film is if it's just too spoon feedy. I do like that you preface the statement with ostensibly saying, oh, but it looks good on you guys though. Like uh, <laughs> all the Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack. Yeah. Uh, Tell you my hot left just you get a free bowl of soup. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did somebody step on a duck? Hey. Which by the way, I, I have to Biden, um, by the way. I, I have to I have to um shout out my favorite uh my favorite Dune meme that I've seen, which is the Rodney Dangerfield one where um he said uh <laughs> it's like because I read it in the Rodney Dangerfield voice, he said um my wife, my wife says I look like uh, Baron Harkonnen. That's why there's no spice in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, that's a good. Well, that's yeah. a good meme. My wife, my wife. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. Hey, let me tell you about it. No, the, the, there was a good one where it's like, uh, "What's in the box?" And he puts his hand. It's like it's like the the worst take you've ever seen, and you can't. Oh yeah, it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I need shit. to try to do the. My my wife says I look like Baron Harkonnen. That's that's why there's no spice in the bedroom. <laughs> No, but the, uh, um, memes, yeah, no, I like right? I like it's the worst. I like it's the worst take you've ever seen one. Um, yeah, that, that was that was, was that was that's an instant classic for my for me that's <laughs> for sure. The worst take you've ever seen, exactly. What did uh, slight change of topic, but what did y'all think of the thank uh, god the, of the uh. Well, I, I, uh, I tr we, we try to keep things interesting and relevant and moving for the viewer. What can we say? Uh, what did y'all think of the of the design of say the of the design of the film specifically the uh, like the the ship and vehicle design? Mm -hmm. yeah, they were fine. They looked good. They, it was like it was like a rival. He made him like a rival, didn't he? He made him look yeah. like a rival, yeah. and it was and it's it was good aesthetic. enough. Yeah. They look like dildos. That's like his main thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's dildo oh, shit. Yeah, I did like. He's, that's a, he's, he's a regular. He's a regular Elon Musk when it comes to the rockets, or Jeff Bezos yeah. when they had the the dick rocket. You know. Well, exactly. I, I, I appreciate the ethos of it looking alien. Yeah. Right. It's like that, I had, like that. Like, yeah, this is like yeah. I mean, we're looking at a at a spacefaring civilization twenty five thousand years in the future. So they kind of um, they kind of get a little wonky. That I'm kind of curious to see exactly how if if they're going to show us in the second film all the stuff that wasn't shown in this one. Like, will we actually get a you know first? Have, wait, have they announced if they're if they've cast um, uh, Fade Fred Rothera? Ruther no, but he said he's going to be in it. But okay. Uh, and also, like, I'm wondering if we're actually going to be able to see like what a guild navigator looks like. Well, that would be cool. But uh, and last but not least, but I will say, yeah, I will say this. I did like uh, I liked a lot of the ship designs because like, yeah, there's it's a big thing. I think it's, it, I don't know if it's a big part of the film, but it's certainly a big part of the enjoyment of the film of like these excellent scenes of like you know low angle shots of like these weird, massive, slow moving ships coming in and out, or even or that they figured out a way how to. Um, both design and kind of like, um, 
I get realistically, I don't know, in, in scare quotes, display what an ornithopter actually looks like and how it would move, which right. I, uh, you know, I, ha- I have an aerospace engineering degree, so I got a kick out of that stuff. Nice flex. Nice flex. <laughs> hey, it's not my only degree. What can I say? <laughs> hey, you got an aerospace hey, engineering degree. Like, what are you all about? Jeremy's Excuse me, but um, the little pods that look like bloody mosquitoes that <laughs> the, the one, the little ships, the mini ones. Yeah, the, the, this one's version called, of an X, yeah. This one's version of an X-wing fighter. Like Jason yeah. Momoa looks like, looks like a giant. <laughs> Which, by the way, mentioning well, X-wing think- fighters, I have expected uh, to see like the the fucking. Um, like Luke speeding across the fucking desert at one point, like <laughs> when they did the, <laughs> as if it was like Tatooine. <laughs> I did one thing. So one me, thing I did. Uh, know, yeah. Oh, real quick, just the uh, last connection. I did this. Uh, Timothy does do these the same thing Mark Hamill did because at one point I remember noticing that it like he kind of he I, I think I don't I think he actually rolls his eyes back into his head right before like a big climactic thing happens. Which I kind of noticed. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That's uh, I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Hamill does it in, like in. Uh, I think Mark Hamill did, does it at least once in all three uh, in all three main trilogy films. He's using the force. Yeah, I mean, well, what that's the kicker. Well, I, I picked up like so much stuff, and I was like, dude, like even like the simple things, like because I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but you know, this was written forever before Georgie even wrote Star Wars. And it's like sandworms, like use the vo- use the voice. Like there is so much in there. It's like, dude, now that you watch it back, use you the voice. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's like use the voice, use the voice. And I'm like, hang on, use the voice, use the force, sandworms, like everything in here is sort of coming back around. So like he definitely, you can't, he, yeah, I don't know whether George Lucas has ever said that he was inspired by it, but he's he doesn't need to. Take- <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> pretty apparent. Yeah, it's, but like he actually deliberately owned up to the fact that yes, I took sandworms from there and I used <laughs> changed a few things well, and made them. Yeah, I think but- somebody, yeah, somebody once mentioned. I think it was either it was either Lynch's like when Lynch's crew when they were watching the. Uh, I think when they were watching uh, the, the Star Wars films, or maybe it might have been like Herbert himself, or like I remember just hearing the stories of like either like the author or some of the filmmaker and his friends were watching it and like counting, watching Star Wars or something like that, and counting the references that they saw that would mm-hmm. pop up either from Star Wars or from Jedi that that were kind of like a presa- uh, presaged or presaged by Dune. Um, mm. Like, there's so many little, yeah. The second time I watched it, I was just like, that one, that one, that one. And I was like, we yeah. should have a shots game. I have a, yeah, I have every, a, I have a question. But, um, I have a question for, uh, for, for Gene. Um, but I love no, I, I, just, I, I have, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of um, move this a little bit towards. Um, so I, I think that, I mean, obviously it was apparent and it's, it's apparent in every single iteration of Dune, I guess, but like the, the explicit um, connection to like Islam and kind of like, you know, um, like the colonialism and like, you know, Muslim people in the Middle East, like that kind of connection. I, I feel like this movie makes it a lot more explicit um, in, in a lot of ways, right? Like, I mean, number one. Well, about course, having a lot of Spanish people play. Uh, play yeah. Arabs. Space <laughs> Arabs. 
I think Javier <laughs> Bardem plays space Arab. But I but mean, like but this movie makes it really really explicit that they're supposed to be space Arabs. Um, I mean yeah, I mean like but the book is like yes because like the Dune movie that everybody thinks about made everybody white, right? Yeah, like made all the Fremen white. Now it's like not super explicit that they're like swarthy dark skinned fellows, but like through the names, through the sort of cultural affectations, like it is heavily implied that the, you know that the Fremen are space Arabs, right? You know they are the Zen Sufi wanderers, the Zen Sunni, Zen Sunni wanderers, right? The Zen Sunni mm-hmm. wanderers, um, they have um, their titles are derived from Arabic. A lot of terminology is derived from Arabic uh, terms. You know, some of it directly, some of it is kind of a bastardized version of Arabic. But certainly, you know, uh, the cultural affectations are, like, central to Frank Herbert's uh, vision. And it goes on in the later books as well, you know, because it's very much a kind of, uh, you know, Frank Herbert sees the desert as a place where prophets come from, right? So it becomes this, you know, there's a lot of um, allusions to the, you know, uh, to Islamic history in the Dune novels, the way that the uh, dynasties develop, the way that, you know, like the religion becomes institutionalized, the way that there's a continuing conflict between the, the, the people on the periphery and also the kind of imperial uh, elite that forms with the empire and also the unleashing of the tribal energies of the Fremen to conquer a vast empire, very much an allusion to the Islamic conquest of the 8th century. So there's no doubt that that's in it. And of course that has led to like the accusations that it's an Orientalist novel, which is not, they're not totally unfounded. I mean, I don't think, you know, like the fact that, you know, there are these kind of stereotypes can be denied. But as I said before, I think that's like the least interesting critique that you can make of Frank Herbert's book because, you know, the the the, the overarching story, which, like I mentioned, was this Khaldunian cycle, could have been written, you know, that, that kind of dynamic where you have this decadent urban center versus this pure periphery of ingenious people. That could have been written by someone from the Middle East because that was a way that people viewed Islamic history. Yeah, well, so I wanted to, so I, I wrote it, I wrote it down, but one of the um, lines that uh, Timothy Chalamet says <laughs> as Paul Atreides is uh, when, when you know, I think one of the most, um, uh, I guess, affecting scenes for me at least is when, you know, he finally kind of confronts his mom and his, her relationship to the Bene Gesserit and You're um, a prick. and well when he says I um when he's having the yeah. dream like kind of and he says I see a holy war spreading across the universe like unquenchable fire a warrior religion that waves the Atreides banners in my father's name fanatical legions worshiping at the shrine of my father's skull a war in my name everybody shouting my name um it feels that that feels like there really is a connection um definitely to like our like our our uh conception of islamic history um in this movie like i i think like um so i i I kind of kind of wrote that down to to bring it up um in the conversation and i you know i i it's it's interesting to me i don't know um 
the um yeah his line about you you made me a freak is kind of one thing that i didn't really realize i just think what it wasn't until i think i read had to read like i think all three of the first books before it really sank in is that paul's whole thing is not only was he um you know supposed was kind of like was destined to be you know the chosen one but he was also i mean he was both. I think it was the one thing he was. Not only was he, you know, the uh, the male Bene Gesserit, but he was also the human uh, mentat. Because I think in the books it shows like he's he received like he grew up with both Bene Gesserit, but also mentat training. Uh, not to mention, you know, the the finest uh, fighters that the that the that the Duke could procure. So it's kind of like everything is, you know, it's kind of like shoved onto this one kid. And go from there. Um, Which is kind of the white savior thing, right? Like that's like like some of the critiques of Dune, like oh, white savior, and it's like yeah, like oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a valid critique, and he's and he's not a savior. That's the whole point. He's like a fucking disaster. Yeah, it's like is he a savior? He's kind of honestly. Yeah, go ahead, Jane. No, no, I was gonna. Yeah, you go ahead, Conan. Please. I mean. You interrupted me interrupting Jeremy, so I think it's okay. But like, I think we're all coming to the same thing, which is like that. Uh, look, I, I actually, when I was thinking about it, I like Chalamet's portrayal of Paul because he hasn't figured it the fuck out yet, right? And if you read like you know the first book, and he, it's not required to enjoy the movie to read the first book, he spends some time figuring it the fuck out, and I would hope that. That there would be a, a an arc that would show that growth in the next movie that would show him becoming a leader. But the fact that like I actually think it's kind of bold to like show him sort of being in over his head. One of the right? one of my I mean, one of the, things, that's the story. One of the things I think is funnier the funniest about um the New Testament is like because every every kind of prophet or messiah really or you know whether they're making the point that it's not a prophet or messiah kind of has to go through a period like that where they're like <laughs> adjusting to the role that they've kind of been pushed into playing let's say and um it's it's always been really funny to me that like in the new testament like jesus they just cut that part out so he just comes back he just comes back like 18 years later and it's like all right i figured it out oh, he's totally hench he's like i worked it out i've been in yeah it. i've done it <laughs> well it's the, it's the same well it's it's, it's the bruce wayne uh, yeah the, yeah well this not just summer abroad, but yeah, his missing decade between childhood and year one. But oh, Gene has to leave really quick. So yeah, um, thanks so much for for coming on, Gene. I, I you know, you're, you know, you're the person that I definitely wanted to discuss a lot of the stuff and and doing with uh, the most. Uh, I think uh, that you have the most uh, insight into it at this at this at this stage. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that. No, I thank you guys for having me on. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I got time for one question. I just got. I have go one question. Yeah. I just, yeah. I was one question that I, I think you probably got the most insight. Is um, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on the, this film in terms of the the way women are treated and handled within the film. Because also, you know, with the beginning, and you've got the you know the Venice way. Never say it. Um, when he's in there and he's with the, you know, with the big religious lady who looks like she's Catholic and there's this very strict honor code with the females and also she's not allowed to marry. And then there's that scene where when um, the father is dying and he specifically says, 
I should have married you. Um, and well, she gets called uh, my, my question is really on she, what your thoughts yeah. are yeah. Well, she, in what they were trying to achieve. Like, with, she comes out with, with Paul and, and, and almost seems like she's in her own stride then. And I feel like, yeah, I was interested in your take on on that. I think I think they definitely, like, enhanced Jessica's role compared to the books. Because, again, you know, it's the 60s. Uh, you know, like, they, they have strong female character, but there's still very much this kind of gender divide. Um, I think it was handled, you know, like, I think it was handled pretty good. I don't think every story has to have, like, mm. you know, girl boss gender neutrality. I think, like, there is kind of an implicit sexism in the June universe. No, I thought, they, I thought they. I thought they. I thought they. I thought they handled it. I thought they handled it pretty well. I thought they made. I thought some of the changes they made were good. Like Leah Kynes as a woman and a black woman. You know that was a perfectly good yeah. change for me. Uh, I felt that the. You know, I felt that they made like some stronger women characters compared to the book, and I thought that was a good change. But I thought they didn't do it without like they didn't do it in such a way that it kind of like, you know, it yas queened everything. Like, yeah, they did. They didn't uh, lampshade it. They didn't have to like really uh, do an extremely loud posturing. That right. Hey, look what we're doing here. Yeah. We do, yeah, they yeah. did. They, but that's they, exactly. They, they, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah, I think they did a good job. It was done and in I, a I, nice. Yeah, it seemed to, it was classy. You know, like. It's good, yeah. in my opinion, to have more gender representation in science fiction. I think it's good to have more racial diversity in science fiction. But it's not good when you shoehorn it in in a very tacky way and it looks stupid, right? So, yeah. so, so, like, you know, because it's kind of fucking condescending. There's no point in right? putting characters in there for the sake of having rep rep someone there. No one needs it's a token whatever. Exactly. So you know, a series that does it very well, for example, is The Expanse. And again, I read the yeah. like I read The Expanse books, and everything is very ethnically diverse, but you don't feel like everything is uh, yes, green, very desert. Yeah, uh, you don't feel like everything <laughs> is being uh, like put there in a kind of cheesy, cheesy way, in a self-conscious way. It just is, right? And I think they did. Yeah. I think they did an okay job. And they have yeah. to deal with the There's source. There's no need for a. They 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 have to deal with a, whole, a source material where like there is a little bit of sexism, and kind of like, you know, gender essentialism, in um, in the novel. But you know, it is what it is. It's the freaking sixties, my man. Yeah. You know, it's the sixties. Like they, you know. It's also it's also life and it's also reality. It it's still true. happens now, so you can't like. It would be silly to remove it completely and have this pretend world where it doesn't happen. Either. Where there's all the yas queen. Even stupider. So yeah. I want. I, I, I want to see. I want. I want to see. I want to see the yas queen future. The well, yas yeah, looking like it's the yasified yeah. future. Yeah. No, they did. Look at like a good job. Look at Highland. Look at like Stranger to Strange Land. Right. I mean, it's sort of like it's like oh, some of this is like. This is like aspirational, like maybe cults are okay. You know, hey, fucking, you know, these women are all around. It's great. Bonkers, I'm, bonkers, bonkers shit, man. Sounds They're awesome. Bonkers. 
I was going to say, yeah, you got to remember this is Heinlein, where as he t- it was a where it is a plot point early suggested in multiple books near the end of uh, as he went, especially at least by the seventies, where you know the the just the idea of time travel as a way to pull off uh, another form of incest. Gross. Yeah, I mean, well, so so the tag but, for what I was what I was going to say is that like must be great to not think of people <laughs> as people. That was the tag for that. that oh, okay, so yeah, it, 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 and that's. Yeah, but, yeah. Your, gotcha. Uh, one fifth of the words, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> so, the. Uh, so, well, same yeah. <laughs> All right, Gene. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I know you have nice meeting you. Nice meeting you, Renee. I hope I hope we I hope we uh, cross paths again. Uh, and uh, it's great to see the rest of the crew. Yes. I'll catch you all in the future. I'll feed us in. Read us in. All right. Uh, obviously, how do you, speaking of well connecting to that to that uh, to that question or at least the one beforehand is I'm curious uh, what do you do we want to speculate or any open speculation on how they're uh, how will they or how should they uh, depict Alia for um, for the sequel because it's kind of a thing of like yeah they you had to use like Alicia Witt and I think she was maybe I think she was she was like was she like nine or yeah, old, yeah. How, so that that was. So I, I pulled that factoid in because I'm a big Alicia Witt fan. Uh, that, that, reason, was, yeah, yeah. that was her first role. She was like a child prodigy, right? Like, and like she was this precocious genius child was able to like portray rather naturally, like being this sort of otherworldly, like, Oh, this kid is like tiny, but like knows some stuff. So how do you outdo that? Because when you have an actual like super genius child, right that also happens to be adorable and kind of otherworldly looking how do you top that i don't know no yeah. idea let's see i, I, I mean I, I will <laughs> i will say like you know how do you top max von zedow is is you know you go a little opposite of what you did before uh but like i don't know how you can go opposite and actually pull it off uh with <laughs> uh with her can i force do you mind if i just pose a single question which is baron harkonnen no, go ahead how do we how do we feel about baron harkonnen in this one because i feel like the clear obviously i'm just gonna say it colonel kurtz but i think done well yeah jeremy what do you think um they um they, yeah. did, so they, like they really it. did yeah they really did i think that this was like yeah. the the i think the yeah. one example where yeah they did they deliberately you know, this one you can actually, you know, see the creakiest gears of them having to like, you know, wrenching the wheel and like, okay, we're going entirely, we're turning this thing around, going entirely the 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 opposite direction from the eighty four, you know, the uh, the eighty four over Baron. the top flying around pustule Harkonnen, yeah, which is like, which I will say the over, you know, pus, you know, pus Baron was was you know kind of like much more faithful to the um, yes. faithful to the like the actual book, but you're not gonna. Um, with how like kind of like I didn't know understated, I guess the kind of just the different performance style that you had on here in this film, it's kind of um I don't know, maybe like Colonel Kurtz um Colonel Kurtz uh Baron is maybe applicable. The one thing I will say the the one the one like a kind of costume and hair criticism. I well, one of the many costume and hair criticisms I have about the film is because all the Carconan are all like the, it, the, it's kind of, it's the same problem that the first season of Star Trek Discovery had because they made Klingons bald, and so you uh, similar with the uh, the Harkonnen or Harkonnen 
as they now describe them, which I don't know. I guess it's, that makes yeah. more sense with that. I guess that makes more sense with how it's, it's spelled. Not okay. But whatever. I mean, it's Harko, <laughs> Harko, uh, Harkonnen is is that's a, that's Dutch, isn't it? Or maybe German? Oh, whatever. Well, well here's but, here's here's well, here's why I'm bald, bald and it means bold. It, it, it does. I think it's but it's for like, years <laughs> before Conan O'Brien was popular, I was able to tell people how to pronounce my name by seeing like you know the the flying around pus dude in Dune. Yeah, take out the har, and that's how you say my name, Conan. So anyway, thank you. <laughs> but they hadn't seen the barbarian weird no it's that's a different did name it's a different pronunciation but anyway jeremy finish your point i'm sorry the, um, one... like oh. sorry renee i didn't hear, catch your last your last bit no you'll go ahead yeah i was okay. just saying go ahead. i interrupted you man sorry me over here, uh, no. I'm on other. I'm on an island on the other side of the planet, so <laughs> I'm kind of lagging. You're on the uh, you're on the prison. Uh, we're on Turtle Island. You're on the uh, the the prison island colony, um, a prison colony, uh, whatever it is. At least yeah. at least um, at least we're, none of us are on. At least yeah, none of us are on Knife Crime Island. But uh, that's the that's guests for another night. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cue this up, I guess. Um, I wanted to get Conan wound up um, on the oh, well, Hans Zimmer stuff. So oh, this is not, this is not, um, you know, Hans Zimmer doesn't have much to say during this, but I do think that this is, uh, this is, this is uh, Dennis talking about his original connection to the book and Hans Zimmer's there. And I figured maybe because I didn't want to actually listen to Hans, Hans Zimmer looks like Baron fucking Harkon, Harkonnen. So, you know what I mean? Like, there you go. That's right. <laughs> Let him up. Let's go. Take that Zimmer. Would we'll say that the, 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 when I read <laughs> it, that. You really, do you really have a hatred? So the, 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 it, it, of course, I, I read it at 13 years old, so I identify with Paul and the idea that, that he was like this boy struggling with a massive burden on his shoulder, family heritage, genetic heritage, uh, religious heritage, and then uh, um, him finding solace, finding comfort into another culture and another in a foreign land. There was something very beautiful about those ideas that really grabbed me when I was young. Also, I was uh, uh, kind of into biology and science at the time, and I, I, the way Herbert was inspired by ecosystems and the way he created all the, those relationships between the uh, living things, I thought was very poetic and very powerful at the time. Later on, I think I was more, more drawn by the Benedictine sisters, the idea that you can actually channel past voices and, and make something good out of it. I mean, at the time, maybe I was starting to struggle with neurosis or <laughs> the idea of struggling with the problem of your past, the past of your your genetic heritage. There's something pretty powerful about this idea that I deeply loved. So uh, it's a book that uh, when you read it, as well as you, as you're all getting older. But your answer was much better. The idea that I heard recently a study that says that we are drawn, we are attached to the song of our teenage years because at this very precise moment, our brain, our uh, uh, 
more um how can i say that in english uh, prepare more more they absorb things that later on you get that their brain becomes more lazy and that's why you're going to always back to uh, nostalgic to toward your those songs you know that you heard that create i'm wondering is the same thing with books Hans? I am wondering. <laughs> All right. So I, I, can I just say that I'm very proud to accidentally have coined maybe the first viral moment of movie night extravaganza where I went on an unsolicited rant, very unsolicited, about how much of a hack Hans Zimmer is. Now we can put up clips. Now we can put up clips yeah, on exactly. Twitch as of today. So fantastic. <laughs> Can't wait for everyone to hear my unhinged rant about it. Uh, but I stand by it. And as much as like in the Lynch movie, the Toto soundtrack again, here I am once again, giving props to Toto, a band that I'm not, let's charitably say I'm not a big fan of perfect for the movie. Like it's a get stoked moment when like, when uh, Kyle McLaughlin's writing the sandworm and like, you know, the, 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 the crescendo, whatever Hans Zimmer's a fucking hack. I'll say it again. Louder for the people in the back. That guy's a hack. First of all, he has a team of people that does all his bullshit. And I do say bullshit with impunity. And he is sitting here dislocating <laughs> your shoulder. Right? What's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he's he's sitting You're there dislocating his shoulder. Right? You're on a Zimmer. Zimmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zimmer. This is great. He's awesome. Ken Zimmer blows. He's a... Uh... I know. I just, I'm just giving you a I know you have a severe Zimmer hatred. <laughs> Look, he's a hack. And Zimmerphobia, I think they call it. <laughs> it. It doesn't mean that it's terrible. I'll fight him. I can take you. Think I can't take that motherfucker? I'll take that guy. I, shit. I wish. I, I wish I had grabbed. I wish I had grabbed the clip. Like, he you looks guys. like Yeah. Actually, I think I, I wait. I'll, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll go on mute, and I think I have it on. I think I have it on Twitter, so I'll grab it. The part where he's like, "This is a." He's like, "This is the most yeah, yeah. provocative I th sound." Yeah, I, I, have I thought Twitter that's what you were gonna play, and I was like, "This motherfucker," because I've seen that. Yeah, but no, I'll, I'll play that. I was trying to remember where I had it because it's on my hard drive, and I ha would have to unplug my uh, camera to plug in my hard drive. So I was like, "I'm not gonna do that." But but anyway, yeah. point of fact, it's, it's big. This motherfucker energy, and that guy's a hack. <laughs> yes. At any point, Conan, do you, do you think he wasn't a hack? Like when he first started? Like, do you no, think he's he first started become a hack he, because of fact? I think, I think he found a thing that not only worked for him, but that people found value in with movies. And I'm not saying the man isn't like iconic, but iconic. Look, he's iconically hacky. A I mean, hack I doesn't mean, it doesn't mean terrible. It means he's doing a thing. It's it's like just good enough, right? So this guy does something that's just slightly more than just good enough. And he's like, oh, yeah, boy, that was real real good, huh? Wasn't that great? No, man. Like you put in like as much effort as like a, like a perfect example of a non-hack is Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor is actually great at doing soundtrack stuff. Like he's the reason to watch that Fakakta Social Network movie or whatever. Uh, that he did this because it's it, the score is awesome and like he clearly gives a shit and the problem with Hans Zimmer is that okay cool so he gave a shit on this one what about the other 90 movies you've done the score on or rather your like apprentices have done the hell with that man like that's not cool like I don't know like maybe the guy's awesome I'm uh, somebody's like dad somebody's husband like whatever I don't give a shit fuck out of here 
Thank you. Two, yeah, there we go. Uh, well figured. Yeah, the I was disappointed in the music because maybe. Well, I mean, <laughs> side question: Do you think uh, I can't remember what the actual official reasoning was? But do you think uh, Lynch hired Toto just because his favorite film is Wizard of Oz, and he would deliberately put <laughs> he deliberately he deliberately puts um, he deliberately puts. Uh, Wizard of Oz references in the 84 Dune film. Watch the scenes whenever Jack Nance is there as the little like ginger haired Harkonnen sidekick. Like when they're yeah. wandering around. There are parts we talked, where we talked around. about this last night too because we watched Blue Velvet and obviously the main character or the main, you know, the, the lounge singer's name is Dorothy. So we did bring yeah. that up last night when we did Blue Velvet too. The um, and there's even like a more explicit reference in Wild at Heart, but that's a that's a that's a that's another episode. He, but, um, he fucks. With, he fucks with. I almost said Frank Oz. <laughs> it's not Frank Oz. God damn it. <laughs> Although Dune, yeah, David Lynch and Frank well, Oz working together would have been, I mean, uh, would have been say, amusing. Yeah, Renee hit it. Mm. I mean, I'm gonna say with Dune, like sort of supporting Conan in a way, is that I have no recollection of the music from the film, so therefore it can't have been that great because I honestly. Yeah. Oh, I don't I, there's nothing there's nothing iconic or anything that really affected me about the music in the film so I mean that says it that says everything there that yeah, I wouldn't feel work. emotionally affected yeah the the sound yeah the background Space. The sound design, I yeah I, I remember far more and I've enjoyed the sound design far more than the score and the um the other kicker is I, what the, one thing I was kind of disappointed by is I kind of wanted them to, um, they, you know, say like, did anybody see uh, the documentary Horowski's Dune when it came out a few years ago? We we're actually talking to the director about his kind of failed yep. uh, attempt at adapting. I kind of wish they would have hired the the guy from that because that guy uh, Kurt Stenzel, I believe his name is, used all just like old like analog synths to score that. And it's like this is kind of the, one of those movies I wish they would have done. I mean. That would be cool. I guess they, like a God I mean, maybe, or yeah. They, I wish they would have done like an entire, like you know, done like a synth heavy score, just to. I think it really would have been great, except or been maybe more evocative of the um, just the alienness of the world. But then again, I'm now thinking that seeing as how uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, last film was Blade Runner, which itself had you know a mostly uh, that mostly synth score that Hans Zimmer did work on. Or at least is credited as working on. Um, yeah, his team so he very up. Yeah, and he took credit for it. So yeah, give you know find you find whoever the, the, his team member is who owns like either an ARP Odyssey or like a Juno Six or you know whatever you know even like a the Yamaha DX Seven and like here you go kid go to town and see what happens. But wasn't it Vangelis? Right, that was Vangelis, and there was yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. Yeah, the really weird, you know, kind of like the weird, like high pitched, high pitched trumpet synth for a lot of it for some reason. Who's but. gonna fuck with the fantasy setting? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know, the story, the story gave gave me a moment of timelessness, um, and I think that's, you know, it's it's a pretty provocative. Let's be honest, it's a pretty provocative score. You know, it's like, you know, uh, oh, <laughs> it's. <laughs> You know, thank you, Denny, for letting me do this and getting away with it. You know, the story, the story. 
this motherfucker. It's, it's, it's oh, as bad oh, as yeah. provocative Rock putting my washing on the line. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, thank you, Renee, for articulating what I could not. <laughs> it's just like no, sorry, mate. The only and then the you only also song... kind of feel like in those moments. No, You're the right. only the only song that I really the only song that I really felt like was a banger. It takes five and a half minutes to get to the. And that's the only yeah. that's like the one and that's only when he's dreaming obviously you know what i mean like I it's know. like so that's like the one yeah he's sitting the there, one. It, so, so look this is like dave Grohl giving him credit for the giving himself credit for the last foo fighters album good you made a record fucking bully for you man like you think you're like changing music no you made some like it's just, adequately it's pretty, listenable it's pretty provocative so. he makes i can't even say yeah it's beige he as makes well, mediocre right? dad music it's beige meat in the music. world. Great. You're the, the Sierra people who Nevada pale ale. Fighters here are the worst part of the, the worst part of the population there is. They're just all like normies and jerks and jocks that go and see Foo Fighters here. They're like the worst. They're not. Well, and here. that's yeah. But that, that's how Hans Zimmer is to me, which is like just, I he's healthy, whatever. But don't yeah, claim yeah, that you're I mean, being like some incredible genius. He yeah. like he legitimately thinks that he did an amazing thing here. I'm like, wow, really? Like, do you literally listen to anything? Because it's not amazing. Again, what was Force? What was your first takeaway? Right? I barely remember the soundtrack, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, yeah, and and I um, yeah, you know, so I went I went to go see it with uh with my mom because you know she wanted to see it and I was gonna go with like my whole family and then. Um, my brother went back to Brooklyn and, and kind of canceled on it. So I ended up seeing it with, with my mom. And after seeing it, I like asked her like, Hey, um, well, like I want to just ask about the score. Like, I don't really, you know, cause I didn't really remember much of it. And she's like, Oh, I don't remember even there being like a score really. And I was like, yeah, like exactly. Like I don't, I don't, you know, no, there's no. Yeah, I <laughs> That's there's, exactly there's how I the whole thing like, too. Yeah. yeah, I was like, there is. is music. I didn't notice it. Really? Music? Is it music? <laughs> is there? <laughs> I, I mean, Sorry. like, I was thinking yeah. of uh, like uh, Graham Ravel, Graham Revel, or however you say his name, uh, who did, um, uh, who worked on Until the End of the World and The Crow. Like, he did a weird ass soundtrack for those movies. Like, yeah. like that probably would have been better if they gave him a budget to do something interesting. Hell yeah! Yeah, yeah I am. Oh, real quick, but I um, <laughs> I see. I'm a Gen Xer. I heard. Uh, I I bought the actual. I enjoyed the score soundtrack uh, far more than I ever did like the uh, the the shitty pop tune soundtrack. And I remember I actually bought the. Uh, I think I was able to get. Yeah, I, I bought that score CD and listened to that like a, just a hell of a lot. It was that was some of my prime study music for the first couple of years of of um, of uh, undergrad. Can't rain all the time. I definitely mm -hmm. had I I had the chorus soundtrack, the, the music one. <laughs> yeah, I, I had both. Bang it out. Um, I, I think they're both great. <laughs> I still uh, honestly, great like even, yeah. I, I mean, even Crota City of Angels had a pretty okay, not not as good of a soundtrack. Let, let's let's be honest there. But but like it, it still had some some bangers on it. And then and then um, 
uh, mm. but the score was mostly recycled. So, so like, you know, that, that, that was uh, one of the downs. There's a lot of downsides to that movie. Um, <laughs> mostly the, the Weinstein cut, but that's a whole other, that's a different podcast altogether. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to, you know, I mean, I think, I, I think that if we're going to, um, you know, put this on my YouTube, we should probably, um, go soon to Conan's, uh, one-liner reviews, but I wanted to, one thing I wanted to bring up is, um, cause I just, I wanted to make this, I mean, it's, it's more of a funny comment than anything, I guess, but like the, the Duncan Idaho name took me out of every time they said Duncan Idaho, I was just taken right out of the movie. So I was sitting in the theater. They're like, I've been trained by Duncan Idaho. And it just like, I, I just like, it just couldn't, like, I couldn't, cause you know what I mean? Like there's all these different, like, you know, obviously there's like the Harkonnens and like, uh, you know, the Atreides family and like everybody kind of has like a lot of times, like, you know, these, I mean, the words are a lot of them are taken from like Arabic or all these different things. And, and, and like, it or feels Dutch. like a very, yeah, it feels it feels very like fantasy oriented. Then all of a sudden they'd be like, "And Duncan Idaho," and I that would just bring me right out of the right out of the fucking movie. I do. I was, but I mean, that's kind of true. But also, Jason Momoa really was the um, not only was kind of like the surprise star, probably like most charismatic like guy on the screen. He was the one who could actually um, like it was like the guy they they gave like the one joke to. Yeah, and it's like it's one of those things where it's like. Um, <laughs> it's like he went over so well in this one. How much do you want to, you know, how much do you want to bet they uh, with they kind of like fast forward um, some of the stuff that happens to uh, to to Duncan's corpse in the sequels? They kind of like just you know bridge that up. Hey, let's figure out a way to have a you know let's 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 introduce this character a couple books early so we can get Momoa back in here cracking jokes and actually um, you know bringing a bit of like warmth and yeah. Uh, um, the corpse is getting teabagged. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, so I, casting. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Andy. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, um, it, the, the, if you've read far enough into Dune, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but Jason Momoa's casting is perfect because he is the one actor you can truly believe who can climb a wall and make a woman come. <laughs> oh, 100%. The dude's, the, the dude's just solid. There's nothing. Yeah, and I believe yeah. he's a warrior. Which, Everything which that around him. Emperor Doom. He he's like the right one that was like you know how he's hanging out with Bremen, and then he was also you know in with um the others. It's like it makes perfect sense because he's the only one who looks like he could, like, and he looks like he could whoop your ass like fifth way you know like yeah he 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 doesn't get good roles and he might not be the best actor on the planet, but I think like. It's this was this role was perfect for him, and he did he did justice to what he was given. Yeah, no, he's. He, I mean, I think he did you know a pretty a pretty good job. I don't. I mean, you know, at some point you have to realize that like uh, yeah, name, some people have to kind of just be like. Yeah, the, the the name is definitely weird, but like at some point, the yeah. the thing that also took me out of it is is the amount of I I, th I should have gone and just seen it when it right like right as it came out to like avoid any kind of uh whatever but everybody people kept yeah. saying um duncan idaho is essentially virgil texas the name so like <laughs> I, I couldn't stop thinking about that and then but no so i i came up with a with a character i wish Gene was still here for this because he, i i pitched, pitched it to him first but it's uh, a character just named like johnny nevada and it's uh and it's it's nevada not nevada nevada even on I mean, you know, Johnny Nevada. Then it just it, okay. it's, it's Duncan Idaho's. It's Duncan Idaho's like uh, Andrew Dice Clay cousin. 
That was, that was my character that I came up well, with. And, it, it, and and base him in Reno, which would be perfect for that character because Reno <laughs> is the uh, the saddest little city. It's like the plainer sibling of Las Vegas. It's kind of awesome. It doesn't, actually, have, to, but... it doesn't have to be placed from anything. He just has to. That's just the character, and he comes in. and He's like, oh. Look, if you if you have Giant Nevada and he comes and he comes from Reno, it's better than if he comes from anywhere else in Nevada. Just fucking trust me. He doesn't come from Nevada. The Nevada doesn't exist. It's just his name. Duncan Idaho is a Dune character. Okay. Pitching you a a Dune character that's that's Duncan Idaho's cousin that comes in and just yeah yeah his way too busy correcting your pronunciation. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, this is. Trace his lineage back to Reno, Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, it's so, gonna go back. So Thank you. Nevada. Yes, the the memory. You gotta remember, this is twenty five thousand years in the future. So the memory of yeah, the the, the memory of Reno. Oh, also, they just announced a new Reno nine one one sequel special, uh, where they go on the they they go on a QAnon cruise. Uh, supposed to be releasing uh, like next uh, next month, and so uh, given how like seeing Reno nine hundred one like their Miami movie caused me to to asphyxiate in the middle of uh, the movie theater because I was laughing so hard at the motel scene. I'm kind of curious to we'll see what they can pull off with this one. Anyway, no, but yeah, this is- I I would I would assume that since it's like twenty five hundred years in the future, it's uh they, they just they just remember what happened in Vegas. You know what I mean? Like it didn't stay in Vegas. It, it travels all the way there, like yeah. Oh, fuck. It was, yeah, it was part of the it's part of the Bernay Jesuits like seeding program that they uh, started. You know, they they implanted Fair memories early. on like five thousand planets in case any Bernay Jesuit <laughs> uh, member was trapped there and needed uh, needed a protective thing. You know, well, Actually, I just like the like, makes me remember what happened in Vegas. <laughs> what like happened Frank to my great 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 grandfather in Vegas? It's like the idea of Frank Herbert just sitting in his office and be like, ah, what am I going to call this guy? Uh, and he like looks over like at a map of the U.S. and he's like, oh, I know. That's a weird looking state. Oh, okay. That's that sounds that sounds crazy. And then like Dunkin' the Donuts box over here. Dunkin' I Donuts. I feel like I made that joke to you when we were talking about this. You, you probably did. I was just um, trying to get it out say, of my like, three seconds of time. So. <laughs> Sorry, what were you um, going to say, Renee? Yeah, off topic of Nevada, um what were your thoughts on um on the casting <laughs> of the characters like um i really thought that the casting like of oscar isaac as the duke was really good i thought the baron but with skarsgård was really good um i'm still confused about whether i loved or didn't love josh brolin i'm a huge like James Brolin fan, but I wasn't sure he felt underutilized. I liked, but, um, I really, I really liked Josh yeah, Brolin being, having to interact with, uh, with uh, what, what the fuck is the name of the place? Uh, St- Javier Bardem because of uh, No Country for Old Men, where they have to go. Yeah. You know, they're they're going oh, they're yeah. showing like face to face. So having Javier Bardem and oh, him yeah. having to like kind of interact in that one scene made me transport it back to that thing. But I mean, any any, any Coen Brothers <laughs> reference, you could do any Coen Brothers reference, and I'd be like, holy shit, a Coen Brothers reference. Well, who does Gurney yeah, in yeah. the 80s movie? It's Patrick Stewart, right? Patrick so it's Stewart, like Josh yeah. Brolin is, is like in the Patrick Stewart role. And, like and he they was going him. to eat tacos. Yeah. And they both... <laughs> They both, I forgot about that. They both have like they bring a different type of presence to the role, like but it's a different type. Yeah, Patrick Stewart brings they're, a dog. Yeah, Patrick. They have a pug. They're both in, very in, charismatic, but in very different ways. Different ways, yeah. 
Also, I, I, will, I, I, I dug that. I think Stellan Sarsgaard mm-hmm. is actually astounding in, in this movie and probably like my favorite cast. I love Sarsgaard. I think he's, yeah. he's always brilliant. The, I was like, legit. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson I did find it. It, it a little distracting that that he I was trying to play um uh that, that he was trying Me to be too. the 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 uh uh the Jabberwocky casting of of Harkonnen um but 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 uh oh, beyond that uh I think it was that to me was Jabba the Hutt Brando. originally Jabba the Hutt <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> the first incarnation well, right. of so so I actually we, we got we almost got through Jeremy when I asked about Baron Harkonnen, right? We almost got through like one person. I originally wanted to get everyone's thoughts. That's why they got no space in the bedroom. <laughs> oh! uh, <laughs> but I think that this version of Baron Harkonnen, while you know, a less, you know, sort of like over the top comic villain take. I like the harder darkness sort of apocalypse now, Colonel Kurtz Harkonnen. Like it makes him scary like in a way that like look there's a lot of references to the book on this show again i'm gonna come back to the fact that as someone that i've only read the first two books i like the books but i also like that you Mm. don't have to have that curriculum vitae to like enjoy this and and, like he's a freaky motherfucker he's and he's a freaky motherfucker without having like you know well here's all the harkonnen family blah 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 but you know Okay, cool. Like that freaky motherfucker, it, right? Freaky it, motherfucker. It, it feels like it feels like also that I mean, assumably they're going to go more into that story in the second one. You know what I mean? Like more into the 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 Harkonnen side of it. So it kind of a lot of this kind of feels like I mean, and and they've said it a bunch of times. Like uh, uh, you know, multiple people that worked on it. This is kind of almost like a prequel. You know what I mean? Like they've they they barely touch on a lot of things mm-hmm. that in the second movie that they definitely want to go in depth with. And and if that's the case, let's say. And they really do, you know, fulfill that. Like, I, I think that this movie is going to be cast in a way different light than it is now. And it's going to be way more um, understandable. And, like, it's going to be a lot more, um, it's, it's going to feel like, all right, well, we kind of dipped our toes in the water for this. And then kind of fully immerse ourselves in it for the second one. And if that if that is what they managed to achieve, because I, I think that, I think that no matter what, they're going to attempt it. But if that is what they achieve and, and you get, like, a, a heavier dose of, those care like a lot of the characters in this, then I think that we're going to have to um, look back on the first movie and think like, wow, they really laid a lot of groundwork. Yeah, I have a I got a question for the panel, mm-hmm. if I may. Um, do you all think there will be a fourth Dune film, and how many years out do you think they'll put, they'll do it? Because they'll de- they they they've announced the third they've announced the second right. which more or less pretty much guarantees there will be a third. Will there be a fourth? Mm. Will the, the, the material the actual like Herbert written material source material is there, so they don't have to pull some uh, uh, what's his, uh, the what's their nuts from Game of Thrones are just kind of like you know uh, wanking off their own they ending because they they lost the roadmap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So because they, so, they ran out of. They ran, they ran out, out of material I mean, for the books, but they did not run out of cocaine. Thank you. The book, yeah, well, the book was, but will there, so will there be a fourth yeah. film or not? Yeah. What do y'all think? I mean, I think I, I think, think that those questions. I mean, Hollywood's renowned for doing things in threes. Like it's true, the magic number, right? 
that's the way they do it. They do it in threes so they can kind of do this whole trilogy thing. But then then they always leave that blank spot, I feel like, after the third for like some kind of fourth in a couple of years depending on the want and needs of the of the franchise. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like they have the they have the they have the material, but whether you know, it's like, do you do three and do them really well, or do you do four and kind of the fourth one's kind of half half arsey, or do you do three amazing ones and then wait and see the the recussions of that and then make the fourth, you know, which they which you know essentially Star Wars did, you know, it's like let's do three, let's do three, three, and then like now let's start. Doing see you know, all these TV shows and all these other, but I mean, things. but the Star Wars thing, well, I think there, like, wasn't, there wasn't source material for that, right? Like, is they have to come up with the stories on the fly. I mean, not 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 to disagree. I mean, with he you has on source material, like, like, you know, I'm, I'm saying, like, so I'm no, saying they definitely with Star have. Wars, like, with Star Wars, they don't, like, you know, what I mean, so they're kind of coming up with it as they go, and it's like, oh, can we come up with another three stories if they yeah. do have uh, like uh, four? Like, I feel like that changes things. Um, like, what when it comes to like people actually making. Um, films and kind of slowing them down. I, I don't necessarily know the answer to that. I'm just saying, like, I think that it changes that. They might uh, make the next two longer, like, you know, they might make the next two longer to to sort of stop it from being a four. But, I mean, no one's ever done four that I'm aware of. Like, so it would be cool, providing yeah, the same look, director and it all works. Yeah. If they're making money, I bet they'll make That's four. That's exactly yeah oh yeah, making yeah. money well the two i see the two contrasts is well one is they're finally coming up with uh they are coming up with the, the fourth matrix film comes out in about a month in america but also exactly. the the con yeah the contrast to say lord of the rings is interesting because that was the thing where you had uh again you know three you know three films for three books that could support it but then they want you know uh they they got greedy and you know they couldn't even just make you know two like del toro wanted them to they had to go for the full three and pull mm -hmm. out everything um and just kind of and it's to the point where it's I, the I don't same know, as I, yeah it's like yeah it's like Hobbit yeah it's like three, yeah. When Which it could have like been one, like one, one or two, one long film, yeah, yeah, one or two, or you know, they made it a three thing, which is like a common studio thing. But can I, can I, but, can I just, I mean, I wouldn't be a real quick on something, go for it. I, I, I find it encouraging and actually very cool that this movie is being unironically appreciated. By the younger generation, somebody said it's the first I think, movie that uh, the first movie that film Twitter. I mean, I'm, I don't know if this necessarily like pans out, but it's like the first movie that's film Twitter unironically likes, and it's like kind of funny that yeah. Twitter doesn't quite know how to like handle that fact. Yeah, how, it can't handle sincerity. Exactly, yeah. it's not built to handle sincerity. Yeah. It's crazy, right? <laughs> that's why you I love little, that. That's, that's why you need a little Duncan Idaho in your in your. Uh, in your morning coffee. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. Best There's part of waking up is dunking in your cup. <laughs> America runs on dunking. Can I? Can I, I, I yeah. I think um, so I th with I th the like oh, what you said about the young people, Conan. Like um, the people, people, the coworkers I mentioned that are like going nuts. Um, at work, they're all young. They're all in their twenties, 
I'm 41, so that's young for me. And um, they are all in their 20s and they are going nuts about this film, like nuts. Like they've, you know, never seen, and they don't know about Lynch. They don't know, even know the Lynch version exists. Okay. And I find they, that's interesting to, to me. Yeah. No, it doesn't, but they just, they never knew because they weren't around at, at any, you know, and they're, if they're not big Lynch fans now, they're not going to go back and revisit. But I've noticed that, a huge population of the age group, like between 20 to 25, love this film. Yeah. I have just been and like whereas normally and it's not considered a nerdy thing either. No. Like I have it doesn't come across as a it's like, oh you're going to see because you know that's a nerdy kind of thing. Whereas it's seen it's like oh it's this massive epic everyone has to watch it type thing, you know? Uh, did you guys did it take you guys a little bit to um, fully decide that you appreciated the Timothy Chalamet um, uh, performance? Because for me, it took at least the first uh, the first scene he was in for me to decide. Like, okay, I, I really I I appreciate his performance a lot when he first um, when when when, the, when there's a scene where his mom is like um, use the voice that scene. I he, he like sounds he kind of has like the fuck boy yeah. sleepy voice. At the beginning of it, where he's like, where he's just like, oh yeah, come yeah. on, I just woke up, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna uh, fuck with this uh, Paul Atreides conception, and then all, and then, and then he like kind of, <laughs> by the time, by the time he puts his hand in the box, you know, like I, I was like, all right, I'm a hundred percent on board with this, but um, you know, I, I think Tim, Timothy yes. Chalamet, I, I kind of was thinking about while I was watching it, um, you know, the the scene with uh with uh, Oscar Isaac, like the, where, where he's talking, he's like, he's like, no matter what, you'll still be my son. I was thinking about how we like, kind of like these like very pale um, Victorian era looking young, like young boys, like him and like, kind of like Johnny Depp in his early, like Tim Burton stuff. Like we kind of like that look when it comes to these mm -hmm. um, fantasy characters. And then, you know, whether they're, whether they kind of um, try to procure like the British accent or do like the American accent you know what i mean throughout the performance like there's this peak it there's this peaked look that like we expect i think from um like like uh, uh fantasy uh lead actors that i that i was thinking about when i was watching it because he has like the 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 victorian kind of um peacoat too when he's walking on <laughs> yeah um i mean i'm i gotta say i'm a bit biased because ever since i saw him in a call me by your name he, he i was sold on that kid um and then uh, seeing the trailers and seeing loads of the behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff of him being in June, I was already like, he's perfect. I was already sold on it. And, you know, and I thought that a little bit like the scene you were talking about with Use the Voice, I thought that was great because it's like, you know, for us having seen the original Dune, I'm thinking maybe, you know, Kyle and him may have been the same age, but Kyle looked like a grown-ass man not a 15-year-old boy, whereas Timothy Chalamet acted like a 15-year-old boy but a smarter one, you know. So those little scenes where he's like, I just got out of bed. Like, that's what a 15-year-old yeah. boy would do. Like, and I and yeah, I just, and and he, he, yeah, and he exuded that kind of youthfulness but also the, like, that instilled duty that he's been put into by being brought up in that kind of environment. So whilst he still was a child, they let him be a child and then also that conflicting part where he's like, what have you, you know, like he, when he says to his mum about being a freak and 
like all of that stuff. Whereas like you kind of didn't, you know, I thought that it worked really well. So, I mean, I don't know who else they would have cast, but I, I, I was happy with his casting. I'd be interested yeah, I liked, to I liked know his casting. who else would have been up. I also, but I also, um, he's weedy I, looking, you know, he's weedy looking, it, which kind of makes everybody feel like they can be a hero. And even if you are a weakling, little nerdy outcast, you can fucking win. You know, you can do shit. You know what I mean? And I think if they had had someone in there who was a bit more like, oh, yeah, ready for this shit, like it would have been a bit like weird. <laughs> So, you yeah. know, yeah, like some <laughs> you have to have like, someone who Yeah, Timothy, but Timothy, yeah. Yeah, he, like a little he, Momoa. A baby Momoa. Baby <laughs> Momoa yeah. as Paul Atreides. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, but uh, yeah, Timothy, he did it's have just, like the. Just, like, what's up? Jason Momoa actually plays both roles, but he's oh, sized okay. down to look like a little person. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> little Momoa. Face on his deck. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, or like, or drink, the uh that's what i call a little momoa no um but uh <laughs> no but yeah timothy especially the shot of like when he's like kind of zonked out in his bed he's like the boy you I mean he puts up he, he's still got like, yeah he's in his mid-20s he's got them like little stick arms so I'm like damn he you know like how does this how does this kid like 23 24 well but and, and i yeah interjected i thought and it was then, only so, like 21 or something so first book he's like pretty young and, and again we mentioned that there's a gap within within the books right like you know i call like i joked about it being the summer abroad but it's actually 10 years but like what yeah what i didn't like about his portrayal at first i found up myself liking later because he's not there yet he's not yet a leader amongst men he's not yet a freedom no. fighter like he's he's a kid in a weird ass situation that was born and bred to do this thing that like he only has like the vaguest idea of and doesn't know if he wants to do. And he finds his own path. And I think that again, what I found to be wanting originally with like seeing his performance, I later was like, Oh, but that's like dividends later on. Because if like in the next movie where you see him, like, you know, this is the weirding way we will teach this to you. Like you're going to be like, yeah, get it. Go. Like you're gonna be more stoked because you see these inauspicious people. Yeah, we're, gonna see, we're also gonna see him grow because I think isn't the next film slated for 25? I think so. No, so yeah. he'll be five 20, years old. 23. No, okay. well, I mean his age. 23. Okay. Well, no, I think uh, oh well, no, the, I mean it, he's it released. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm I, I just hope they have a good uh tr uh training montage. <laughs> Yeah, which does remind me. I did. Yeah, or just Meredith on the bike in the dune. Yeah, either that or just, or you know, he's he's learning how to. Uh, he's he's learning how to like you know run down sled down uh ski down dunes and they they cut it like uh they cut it like uh like an eighties action film or something or shadow boxing sandworms. I want to see. I want to see some Although I, one one criticism I do have about the like the action scenes, I thought the um, I was really disappointed with the. I mean, well, first I was in, I was interested in that they actually did include the fight with Jamis when uh, when they finally get to um, yeah. 
when they when they encounter them. Except I thought that the I thought they screwed up the uh, the like I did not like how they shot or edited the fight scene because I thought that was way the, the the cutting was way too quick and it was like way too close to them as opposed. But then maybe it's just because I'm I'm used to more of like like more of like a Hong Kong style. You can actually see you know the the takes are a little bit longer and you can actually see like oh yeah they're really you know, these dudes are really actually going at it without you know without them having to do a quick cut to like um, hide that the actor may or may not know how to fight properly, you know, kind of like in the Marvel style. Yeah. So speaking of scenes, and I'm not going to get another chance to bring this up, so I'm going to bring it up now, but I think one of the scenes that would certainly win the most improved award is the, uh, the, the stranded harvester scene, which is like this weird, like perfunctory add-on in the '80s one that just has, you know, Lynch doing a cameo as as, as a driver of it, and like doesn't really seem to make sense, <laughs> but has actual stakes in this film, and it shows you Lido Atreides like how he rolls and how he wants the kind of leader that he wants to be. You get an inclination towards like Paul you know, wanting to get out into this world, but it being like, holy shit, vast and expansive and dangerous as all get out. And you get a, a sense of scope and scale, not just of the sandworms, but of how vast this world is, and how dangerous it is, while no one is, like, shouting exposition mm-hmm. at you. Which, to me, like, th- I think that scene is, like, almost forgettable in the 80s one. But it's like, a, a if you'll excuse the term, a linchpin. Uh, in the uh, in the Dennis one and I, I, yeah, you know whatever they can't all be winners uh, the so so I mean was I the only one that like felt that way about it like I don't know like uh, I, I, I saw the first one so many times that it just I just remember uh, Jurgen Prochnow's you know run damn you run just screaming over the, uh, the the thopters PA at all the little like worker dudes as they scurry out the doozers but, uh, yeah yeah, the little doozers in the uh, in the harvester that uh, oddly enough, I think they took from Giger's designs. Although I will say that I thought it was interesting that the the spi- the spice harvester this time around really did look like a, like a Jawa sand crawler because it had the same kind of weird like coloring and those weird like treads, like there was like the uh, collections of treads underneath it too. But then, then again, it's like if you're gonna, if you have a wheel, if you have any sort of wheels through, a, you know, land-based sand vehicle, like you, you're not gonna do much else than tread. So, it's kind of, I guess, it's mm. a design required by the environment. Fucking environmentalist. Yeah. I, I Andrew, you're still on the show, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. My internet has been acting up. So if I go quiet, it's just because I don't understand what the hell's going on. Uh, y'all sound like just like robots chirping at me. Um, so anyways, uh, I've always been yeah, a robot no, chirping at you. That's true. Um, but, but, uh, <laughs> I, I will agree with you on this point about, uh, about that scene. Cause, cause it's, um, the one scene which actually shows Leto as a leader of the people, which is an important point in the book, uh, that, that Leto is an, uh, is the leader of the people. And he has this popular, um, charisma that, that threatens the emperor. Which, which is not really expressed very well in this movie. Um, it's kind of hinted at, but, but you don't quite have, you know, uh, you have to kind of watch it multiple times and, and nobody expressly says this, this whole thing. I think that is what this whole palace intrigue is about, is yeah. uh, Lito's threat to the emperor. Yeah, it's like Nixon Washington. Kennedy. Totally Nixon Kennedy, right? 
where yes. Harkonnen, Baron Harkonnen is, is Nixon in this situation, in case anyone needed that spelled out. But gotcha. yeah, that's exactly it. But also, but also, and they, I mean, they do say I'm lines not about, a crook. Yeah. Walking into, you have, you have to, you, you got to shake your jowls a little bit more to just to get the real throaty. Uh, and yeah. then also fly around the room. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I uh, will not the, be poisoned by these Democrats. The, um, <laughs> The, the no, what was I gonna say? But uh, no, because they they do talk about how like you know you're you know this is they 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 throw around like oh you're walking this this is a trap we're walking into a trap without kind of like really I mean that's them hinting at it without really saying exactly oh this is the you know the emperor is trying to kill them off uh, because he uh, to mm. to just you know re uh, consolidate his power his uh, his power base. Also, I am disappointed we didn't get yeah. well. I mean. We didn't. We didn't get uh, a Princess Arulan, you know, delivering exposition straight to the camera this time. But I guess um, Virginia, Matt, you know, you're not going to do better than Virginia Madsen. Um, so um, you know, maybe they can deliver they, exposition to me any day. Yeah. Yeah, everyone loves her. I think maybe they just was like, nah, let's leave one thing to the old one. Maybe who knows? Yeah. But. Um, I love I love the sandworms. I want to see. I mean, I thought they were so good. That close up where he's like right in front. Sick. I was like, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah no, the gonna... scale of this movie, just how it's presented, is just like it's it's a master class of how to do scale because like like um, uh, not just the sandworms, but like the the part where they're sitting next to the ornithopter, and then they get into the ornithopter. And then the ornithopter looks so tiny next to like the ships and the city. And, and it's just like, um, you know, and then they did the same kind of thing, you know, with the sandworm. It's just incredible because like, like you're constantly aware of actually how big these things actually are. Unlike, hmm. you know, um, some, uh, some sci-fi movies, like, like, I mean, it was hard for them to actually really show the scale of the death star in star Wars. They did a good job in it, but, but like you never quite got the, uh, you know, because because you never quite got the whole. You know, the, the, yeah, the whole, they, they never. Yeah, humans. Yep. They, 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 yeah, they, even they, the they did same a good job, but like you know, it's not quite the. You know, this is better. Is is what I'm trying to say? Is is showing scale? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the scene where, um, where there's the guy riding the sandworm, and then they they go, "That's desert power," like. <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. cool. There's a guy right sandworm, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had to figure out a way how to work that in because of like we weren't gonna we weren't gonna see any of that until the next film. So they had to get a little background there. You can kind of hint to like like what um uh Dr. Kynes was gonna do in the desert before uh she got cut down. Cause you could tell like like she was calling a sandworm, she had the hooks ready. You know, like, like um, again, this is one of those things that they didn't necessarily spell out, but like, planting you know, seeds. Just, yeah. If you know what's going on, and they they kind of set it up there with that with that guy, you know, doing desert power. You know, um, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, they they, they kind of connect the, the, those two things if you pay attention. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. I I don't know I don't know why every time I, I hear this, but when they're like Shai Halub, like the 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 worm name. Oh I my god, the band. What? Are you thinking of the band? 
No, yeah. I was thinking about like Tony Shalhoub, and I was thinking about like just oh, <laughs> Tony Shalhoub's head on the world. So I was like, I was like, I serve one master, and his name is Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, no. Tony Shalhoub totally used to play the God Emperor Doom. So I'm always like, Shai Halud. That must be where they got the name of their band. So I'm, I've been tr trying to find out if it is where they got it from. So yeah, it well, probably is. But, Tony, uh, but, but the uh, Tony Shalhoub did Monk, right? That yeah. Was his um, movie. yeah, yeah, but he also did uh, yeah. he did the movie with uh, Stanley Tucci where they're in the uh, working in the kitchen. He, uh, uh he's Galaxy Quest. Galaxy I don't Quest, know why, right? I don't know why I know well, this. Not, not, yeah, well, he's a Gasco, but I'm talking about uh, the movie The Big Night with him and Stanley Tucci as the restaurant owners or whatever. He's from Green Bay, Wisconsin, so he's like. With, from a town that's uh, not that far away from me. Anyway, nobody cares. Yeah, Moving on. Tony Shalhoub, <laughs> God in um, one, one perfect. One, one, one thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was hilarious <laughs> is that um, so when when kind of uh Paul Paul Atreides is kind of spitballing like ideas to try to like um, uh, I guess make the emperor kind of more complacent or something. I I watching it like the second time or the third time. I realized that um, one line that he says is, what if I presented the emperor with an alternative to chaos? The emperor has no sons and his daughters have yet to marry. Basically, Paul Atreides is one, like his first idea of how to take on the emperor is like, what if I banged the emperor's daughters? I, so yeah. I thought that that was Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's 15. Yeah, that, was, that was a funny <laughs> concept. I was like, mm. and also- And then everyone, everyone else is like, you, no, that's not gonna. It's not gonna work. He wants to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Although funny, what happens? I mean, but what if? They, mm. Didn't they? They didn't really spell it out. I don't think at all in the film. Or I don't know if they touched on it. Can't remember now. But you know the fact that Paul was meant to be a girl anyway, and they defied and had the son, which is why he couldn't. His the mother couldn't marry the Duke was because of that. One of the main reasons. Um, yeah, they, they, they didn't put, I mean, really they, they touch on it briefly, right? Like, they I'm, very, very briefly, but the... like it was kind of like, yeah, it was just in like you know, when he was talking, um, with about the powers and stuff, like, uh, when uh, his mother is being told off, like, you know, you did this kind of thing because she had the son. That's kind of the only thing. It's like, if you didn't know, you'd be like, kind of not, uh, not on it. But, like, if you know the story, you know what they mean, you know. But yeah. that's also something as well, like the whole thing with him rejecting everything and not understanding where he's placed in the world is also because he really wasn't meant to be there, you know. Yeah, at but, I, but at the same time, I mean, they're kind of creating this prophecy behind it, right? Like it's um, there's going to be, uh, you know, some level a um, – all right, Jeremy. Do you want to do your do you want to do your recommendations and endorsements uh, then quickly? Yeah, real quick. Just mm -hmm. the, the little segment uh, on my own show that I always got a kick out of is you always want to rec let give a little treat for the uh, the the listener to like tell them something cool they should check out. And Hans Zimmer collected works. New uh, <laughs> this is, there's a series come out from Image called Die, made written done by Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans. That is effectively, I think the, their initial premise is what happened if to all the kids from the Dungeon Dragon and Dragons cartoon after they came home, 
and then then it kind of wow. and, it, and then it starts and it goes on and like and then 20 years later they get trapped back in their fantasy world again only they're now like all kind of like middle-aged you know uh, english people trying to you know trying to figure out what the hell they're how to get out of there and kind of um oh, at some point it's yeah. yeah, there's a, there's there's it's it's kind of like that, but it's also it's both a deconstructionist and also kind of a reconstructionist stereo of like breaking down both narrative and like RPG tropes, but also like yeah. basic storytelling and the, they even like talk with a lot of like they'll get into like a lot of uh, deep references to like all the creators of both not only the fantasy genre but also like tabletop role playing games and war games because there's a, there's more than a little bit of HG uh, Wells in the book so yeah I heavily recommend there's only it's only four trades put out by Image it's called Die D I E D I E huh okay. yeah and they uh, they even made, the they union? made their own what's that support the Image Union um, that's true support that's the Image Union. Yep. yep. So, so you know, shout out to them. And getting pushback from, uh, I believe, from Kirkman and the and the rest of management, of course. But also, and all the other cool thing is that Kieran Gillen actually wrote their they made they actually wrote a, uh, and released an RPG like that they used to write the book with that you could actually go out and play. Just look up like Kieran Gillen Die RPG and you can find out about it. So that was the little thing that I just want to recommend to everybody before I I, I split out tonight. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, we're probably going to close out soon anyway. And after we do, uh, you know, Conan's Conan's f- famous uh, one-liner segment. But gotcha. um, I got to I gotta get ready after this to go to the city tomorrow and, and film uh, Cole James Cash's, Cole James Cash's uh, DJ show. Huh. So I Ooh. have to figure out. Yeah. So it'll be fun. All right. Cool, y'all. <laughs> nice meeting everybody who I haven't talked to you before. Renee, uh, hello from the other yes. side of the world. Nice talking to y'all, and I will catch y'all later. All right. Get out of here. (laughs) All right. Anything else you guys want to touch on before going to the one liners? Um, Uh, No, I I think think someone reported me on Facebook for talking, not even talking shit, but just not being uh, praiseful enough of Timothy Chalamet. Because I actually posted something on Facebook. I never posted anything like, no. No, I'm I'm serious. Like it, my actual original post was like, like who the fuck takes down a movie review? Well, you're gonna be like you're gonna be you're, like you you're gonna have one of those um, what do you call it? Um, <laughs> all, all those Taylor Swift loser fans that are like attacking all oh, of her God. exes or whatever. Like, yeah, the, you're gonna the, have the like, were... Timothy Chalamet fans. <laughs> yeah, Taylor I was. Swift, uh... I was I was like gonna, I was somewhat drunk I was somewhat drunk a, uh, a week ago after watching it and I like I was I was you know taking shots and then I realized like I needed to make uh, Timothy Shalimar so I just put Timothy Shalimar's head on one of the members of Shalimar and then I, and then the next day I woke up and looked at it and I was like what the fuck did I create <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's my my my. Uh... My my mocker image of like you know that 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 meme I made of like the queen is entering a new phase of her life and I just put Mothra like <laughs> I don't remember doing that and like there was all kinds of comments on it I was like wow I was in the bag all right <laughs> but good meme also, I feel like it's a symptom of a symptom See, of you should have got today. everything is so touchy and I also feel like, you know yeah. You, you should have anyway, gone with memes, uh, am I right? Char- 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 yeah. People are Char- writing. Uh, people, people writing to Smith 
because they're, they're like hunting down Jake Gyllenhaal because they dated for three months and he borrowed a scarf. Fucking that, get a life. If that's the most important thing in your life is whether wait, wait. some ex-boyfriend from then a billion years yourself. ago who dated oh, someone you don't even know. <laughs> scarf. Like, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for telling them to kill Just themselves. Crazy fans. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe no. I went too far. I'll go back <laughs> and start making Timothy Shard of millionaire jokes. <laughs> we'll have like a whole army of Swift. I don't even know what they're called. They have a name. Swift boats? <laughs> Swifties. Did you see? Oh God, the Swift yes. boat veteran. Uh, Tim, Tim, <laughs> Timothy Shard millionaire. Is that what you said, Andrew? That was pretty amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll back that. They see me right. <laughs> I don't know. They see me rolling. They hate him. Yeah, see me rolling. would have been so solid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The visual makes it. If it's just us, it doesn't work. Anyway, whatever. So every week or every day lately, every, um, every day, every we every, seems like it's been every day, right? We have this bit where yeah. we um. Letterboxd, a social media site for film, film lovers, lovers of movies and film. Uh, you are able to not only uh, categorize movies you want to see, but movies that you have seen and give your thoughts on them. And Movie Night Extravaganza is on the, is on Letterboxd. You should follow it. It's basically Forrest. I'm on it. Andrew's Wait, Andrew's, Andrew's on actually, it? This is I really hard. It's harder than it looks. Yes, so, we're getting, I guess we peer we, pressured Renee into being on it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in every angle, like not just you guys, but yeah. I'm getting inundated with letterbox all over everything. So I was like, I need to set this up apparently. So I'm just going to do it. Yeah, it, it, it's fun. So it's a good place for people to discover film, to discuss with others about film, so on and so on. But one of the not so secret advantages to it are the amount of people just everyday people not like professional music movie critics or anything you know it's a bottom-up democracy kind of situation they just come up with very funny insightful or notable one-line reviews one-liners so this is a bit that we do on this show not yet sponsored by letterboxd but hopefully soon uh yeah, I <laughs> where i just from, I should have cut the one from yesterday but but into yeah, exactly. a, uh, into a clip. But now we can do clips because we are affiliates. Whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> I've been so I've been working I've been working my ass off to get to that place so fucking hard. So like I when I saw that today, I was I was I was happy. I was I felt like I had done something. Well, what's involved? Like, do you have to hit a certain amount of milestones, etc.? Well, so we didn't. I That's mean, what he looked like when he saw affiliate status. He went. This yeah. is what it looked like right here. <laughs> um, no. So, so the things that that you really have to do are there's four metrics, and um, I, I was worried because it didn't seem like we hit the fourth one, but I guess we did. Or, or maybe they just said we, we've grown fast. We've like this. This it's been three weeks, yeah. so. We have We're like this kid refreshing the feed to see if he made it or not. Fine, just give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just you earned it. You earned it. The show's good. Fuck um, it. Move on. Yeah, can you do the bit no, now? So the, so the four metrics are nobody so cares four, about four metrics, Forrest. <laughs> so the four metrics are uh 50, 50 followers within a month. Um, which you know is a really easy okay. one to uh, whatever, like a somewhat easy one to hit. Um, and then it's like you have to get uh, seven days 
seven different days streaming within that month and then you have to um, that's like this like week. A certain yeah well there's, yeah, there's a certain say, amount of uh there's a certain amount of out the, the episodes so yeah, there's like what there's like watch hours, and then the fourth one that we that I didn't know that we hit was uh consecutive viewers. You have to have three consecutive viewers on an on an average show. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so it's anyway. it's easy. It's a lot easier than YouTube, which is a thousand. You have to have a thousand subs for you. you know. Yeah, it takes a while. But how many doms? <laughs> so every episode, I pull the reviews I like best out of the different uh, people, the proletariat, if you will, of Letterboxd, or the ones I find most entertaining, or they think are going to make Forrest laugh. And <laughs> here's what we came up with for The Incredible Dune 2021. Subject of this episode, Letterboxd. Sponsor <laughs> us and shit. I guess you can say that Zendaya is now a Spice Girl. Ba -ba -ba -ba! <laughs> That's oh! Shay. <laughs> good good awesome. background in this one. Is Dune one of the better movies of this year? Yes. Did I give a single fuck about anything happening in it? Not once. <laughs> harsh, harsh words from call. It isn't always like it isn't always. It's always flavorful, but it isn't always favorful with these but yes. sometimes the, the meanest ones are the best just amusing regardless yeah i mean amazing. i i gave it i gave way more than a single fuck about all of this but that, that was i'm sorry that's fucking hilarious <laughs> dune flavor town that's a great great movie and even better beard from oscar isaac jonathan fuji with that one <laughs> you know what Respect. It's good. It's a nice no, he, he was getting he was getting that thirst in the beginning. Like I, I remember the first week it came out, <laughs> there was like a good uh I want to fuck Oscar Isaac trend going around yeah. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, because when he was in Star Wars, I had loads of friends being like, Wah! and I was like, not really getting it. And then as soon as he started showing clips of him from Dune, I was like, now I get it. <laughs> Silver Fox oh, I get it now. <laughs> yes, I get it. <laughs> Best so parts of Dune. Wrong, uh, wrong demo. Best parts of Dune. Rebecca Ferguson and Giant Worm. Zeminia. And you know what? <laughs> Pops. Yeah. She's pretty true. Yeah, yeah. She's not wrong. <laughs> pretty fucking awesome. Like I said, as we established earlier on, she can get it. <laughs> Bold move. And of course, this one's just for Forrest. Doing your mom. Oh, you Gotti Stan Mahesh. I love. I love. Like, he not no, even, did just... he not even write it? Did he? Did he not breathe it? No, like, did he not write it? Once. Oh, no, one I, some people don't do it. Some people do. Dude, people do all kinds of weird shit. Like some, like it's. So he didn't write it. He just left the comment. <laughs> he just he wanted to get to the meme text so bad he couldn't even be bothered to rate it. I guess I assume it's a he. I don't know. I shouldn't assume that it's Gotti uh, stand. So I assume it's I really, a he. I, really, I loved I loved the Sopranos one where it's Polly Walnuts and he's like, yeah. When I said tone, I said doing your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's repeating the joke because that makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> How many hot people do you want, Dennis? Dennis. Yes. That's no. <laughs> And, and can, can we just say best part of this is 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 maybe the tags, right? With bro, with bro, scene cinema IMAX. 
with, with bro. bro. <laughs> with bro is an incredible tag. I gotta say, like props to Bell. Like this is this is a multi layered uh, badass right here. By the way, I'm kind of disappointed. What? That nobody, no one made like a how many, uh, like how much moisture you ever lost in a coin toss uh, reference because of uh, you know Javier Bardem and the scene where he's like, oh, how sure. much you ever lost in a co- <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that is surprising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this <laughs> happened to my friend Kyle M one time. <laughs> That's Lauren and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, that is a brilliant one. That's yeah, right. what I love about this one is it burns slow because you're like, Kyle up. Ah, oh. <laughs> all right. Kyle McCarthy. Who are we talking with for that? That like called out this style of joke and being a thing on letterbooks. I was like, stop fucking unveiling all the magic, goddammit. But like, it was like this week. What was it? I can't remember. But like, this is the perfect culmination of that because it's like, even if you know that joke, it hits on another level. Right, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Kyle M. All right, you, you son of you a got bitch, me. you got me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. clever. Uh, it's the blue velvet of Arrakis, you know. It's- it is a blue velvet <laughs> of Arrakis. Big kudos to Lauren. I think she wins. Yeah, Lauren. That that's. I mean, that's. Come on. That box there. had Timothy Chalamet moaning. What if he had to put his wiener in it, Mo? <laughs> <laughs> I was so I so I I cut together. I don't like there was a, a joke I made with what's in the box and then what's in the box like the seven one. But then also we I re- I remembered we did a uh, kiss me deadly where she's like what's in the box, what's in the box, and then yeah. so I realized how many movies actually have like the box as box? like a, whatever. Seven, and, then, and then there's that and then there's that meme where it's like when you uh when when you when you fuck once and fall in love. And it's uh, Brad Pitt from fucking Seven going, what's in the box? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dick in a box. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Boxes, a lot of, you know, you can put up some solid meanings to it. Three, <laughs> by the way, can we just point out? Wait, wait, go back. Go back for a second. Go back. Yes. Yeah. If, you, if you don't mind. That box had Timothy Chalamet moaning. Three exclamation points. What if he had to put his wiener in it? Lol, one exclamation point. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, there's the well, there's the uh, three no, exclamation there's like, points. There's that there's that form of like Twitter joke where it's like um, when you nut and she keep on sucking or whatever, and it's yeah, like yeah, always yeah. someone's face like looking like they're in pain. So it's like when when Timothy Chalamet's face looks like he's in extreme pain. It's like that meme template. Yep, that's that's yep. the meme. Okay, so what if Obi Wan Kenobi was your mom, Jack Nance? Think about it. Think about it. That's right. (laughs) Oh shit! There goes Dennis doing it again. They should have saved that one for Dune Messiah. They should have. They should have saved. They should have saved that that for the next, the second Dune. Greg, uh, Greg likes a lot of my uh, letterbox reviews, but that was a that was a great one of his. That's not why he's on there. He's on here because that's fucking funny. You write. You write funny reviews like that or do you write legit ones currently? no i'm legit i say yeah. <laughs> i say i say that like it's just like no a fake one that's like just for doing those sort of ones and then a real one that's <laughs> like, like and then i watch a movie and then i try to write a review at the end of it 
So yeah. so they end up kind of weird whenever I do it. Um, mm. I think one of them devolves into an argument about what happened on the A team. <laughs> mine was uh, mine for mine for Dune when I first watched it was um, a true uh, a true sprawling desert epic worthy of that story genre. Timothy Chalamet made me ask the question: Why do we want all of our fantasy heroes to be skinny, pale, Victorian-looking white boys? A good amount of excitement, wasting much sand, not enough worm. That was good. I would have picked that for our bit. That was good. That's solid. I'm renowned for my levels. Exactly what Forrest just said. I'm renowned, well-known for my love of uh, pale, skinny, Victorian. <laughs> Everyone's I, like, you know, the 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 deader, the better. The or what's the other one? Um, <laughs> they look like a junkie. <laughs> like, you know. I get those jokes a lot. Since okay. I realized I'd actually never reviewed Roadhouse, uh, I was originally going to have the review just be that isn't how bouncers work, which I thought would be pretty clever. But I actually put yes. more than just that. So I, I wouldn't qualify for my own bit. That's what's so great about this bit. Like, I don't write these kind of reviews, but I appreciate them. I appreciate yes. these, these, these kinds of reviews. They're very uh, funny. My, my, Roadhouse, my Roadhouse review was... He might have a philosophy degree, but he didn't stop and think very often. Not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, by the way, I, just, I hope we get into like the well, hot doctor so many topics to say about Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. That's gonna be good. I um yeah, I I I've been so I, I went from doing like full full reviews to realizing that like no one gives a fuck about your full re reviews. So like now I kind of mm -hmm. keep them. Um, I I don't I, like it's not one sentence usually, but like I keep it down to a couple sentences because I'm just like no one no one wants to hear my full like they can watch the show if they want to hear my full opinion. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. People go to different platforms to read like full reviews or whatever. Yeah, um, this kind of. Well, I, I'm also the I'm also like my letterbox isn't Forrest Miller. It's Movie Night Extravaganza. Like I, I joined I joined for the show and then like just kind of it ended up being me so <laughs> well i mean you're the host of the show so ultimately you're the voice of the show so it yeah. makes sense but yeah people that are watching this show or listening to whatever should go to letterbox and follow movie night extravaganza and if they want to they can also follow andrew myself or now apparently renee matthew film guy yes. has enough followers so don't follow him <laughs> just kidding he's great follow he follows me <laughs> He follows me too. That's not the point. The point is he has enough fault. Yeah. Keep up, Andrew. Come on, your internet. He doesn't, he doesn't, router, motherfucker. He doesn't do what he uh, what he does on Twitter, which is he follows one person on Twitter. That's I can't tell you. I think it's his, it's his wife. I think, or is you know, his, I, I think it's his wife. It's not his girlfriend, but the, yeah, he follows his partner. It's, on, it's, it's a commitment to an aesthetic, right? It's a commitment to an aesthetic, and all right. <laughs> No. Well, that's what Kanye did. <laughs> Kanye, 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 for the longest time when he was going through his uh, his uh, mental breakdown phase, only followed Kim Kardashian. That was the only account he followed. You mm. think he's? I think he's still in his mental breakdown. Now he's like a now he's like a divorced guy. Like that phase is over. <laughs> he's well, he's you know, having he recently. Like, what a couple of weeks ago, he had a religious thing going on. With Marilyn Manson, yeah, there's definitely. Well, I don't know. Ever since Kanye <laughs> took control of uh, Zero Books, it's been a little weird. 
Hey, speaking of books, Andrew, is that uh, Chris Hitchens' book? Uh, people can buy that shit, right? Yes, uh, I'm right I'm putting, now. Uh, I'm it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, comes out next month. So hmm. apparently, yeah, I had a few world. people ask. Artwork by our bro. Wait, this way. Uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm figuring this out, man. It's Hollywood Squares, baby. Come on. I really, I'm, I'm kind of mad that you guys didn't appreciate my uh, zero books reference, and I just assumed that Kanye West took over for Doug Lane. I thought that was a good. It's good, man. Never mind. No, it's solid. That's it's good potential. It's good. It's a little niche, but you know, it's good. It's for the people. It's for. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I anyway. Uh, figure out my 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 shit for tonight. Um, uh, I guess first, I guess we'll go to final thoughts. Starting with Renee. Um, you know, uh, one one sentence letterbox review <laughs> of one of Dune. Uh, no, 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 it doesn't actually have to be one sentence. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, I uh, look, I I get I I'd give it if I was giving it at a, a rating, I'd say nine out of ten. I thought they nailed it. Um, I thought the casting was great. Um, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it second time around. And as an even if you're not into the books, um, I think a lot of people are going to appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they make the second one work and if it's, yeah, where we go from there. But big thumbs for me. <laughs> Conan? Really, did you say big beef. thumbs? Like, like just big thumbs. Big thumbs. Big thumbs, thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Okay. Is that a thing yeah. that they say yeah. down there, or is that did you just make that up? They say that. You not say that. Big thumbs. Not, like, no, big well, thumbs. We say big know. thumbs up. I suppose. Yeah. All right. Do you, do you know how many marsupials I mean, there are in, uh, have in Australia? Uh, <laughs> Australia is getting in the way of. Yeah. Marsupials are the ones with pouches. I'm talking about the 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 ones that have uh, thumbs. You know, primates. I guess is the koalas. Look, we have well, 17 people on this panel, right? We got we got to get in the Australia bits when we can, when and where we can. Uh, anyway, the pouches, yeah, marsupials. Correct. That's kangaroos. That's right. It's not opposable thumbs. It's pouches. Yeah. Correcttherecord.com. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit of the R word tonight, I guess. You know? Republican? Yeah, a little bit Republican. <laughs> <laughs> this is an epic. And this is an epic in the most grandiose of terms, which should be the actual term that is used for epic, but is frequently misused to be about things that are not, in fact, epic, but things that people uh, like. Based. Uh, I have noticed, noted many times that uh, I'm a big fan of the man's other movies, and I think that they're all unique and very worth watching. And again, he managed to make a sequel to a movie that's one of my favorites of all time that I was outwardly hostile towards there being a sequel made of, and he managed to make a good film that like, I, I dug. So like, that's almost the impossible task as far as I'm concerned. I think that the the quibbles that I have of this movie are small, 
and almost imperceptible compared to like the fact that it shows you why you should give a shit about this story rather than telling you. And I'm going to keep harping on that because I think so many movies treat the audience like simpletons and feel like they have to like do this video game, like cutscene exposition at them. And even though I do like the De Laurentiis Lynch Dune, it completely does that even in the non-extended cut. And I, I think, think this I would I would argue in a different way than so I would call what what the slow walk that we get now a lot like a marvelization um you know what I mean like kind of uh, like the Marvel movie style of it I think is a little bit different than what David Lynch's um, version of Dune did which um I you know so I think that they're uh, slightly different things because I think David Lynch's version of Dune was kind of a, a self-contained story in a sense of like. Um, you know, someone that didn't really give a fuck about the books trying to create like something for almost like almost for themselves, like someone who, you know, maybe even if they he had read said, it. Yeah, he also said the studio um yeah, the studio dictated a lot of what he did in that film, which is another yeah. reason why he didn't like it. And we covered that on that episode, which everyone should watch and we should not talk about right now because I'm trying to make a point. Well, they, no, so I'm, but, I'm, but I'm saying, so the way, the way that they do it, the way that, that it's done in um, like movies right now, like the Marvelization style of it, I think fucking sucks and I fucking hate it. But it's like, you know, that slow walk through, through a plot that like, it, no, like that keeps elements of that story while kind of just like holding your hand through the entire thing, because they assume that no one's read whatever they're making a movie based on. Sorry, I just I just wanted to make that slight because I've been thinking about that a lot today. Sure. So a couple things. So so specifically to that before I get back, bring this train back on track. Or, I'm sorry, bring this harvester back onto the, the dune. Uh, if I if I may, w with that style of storytelling, this seems like an epic that is very clearly part of a larger story. Something I ranted about in the other dune the 80s Dune uh, episode, not ranted so much, like Hans Zimmer rant, uh, is that episode like they basically tried... Doing, doing your dad. They basically tried to fit in the second book in the last 40 minutes of the movie, and it doesn't work. Like, it works in the fact that like, oh, that's there's all this weird shit happening. That's cool. That's a cool scene. But it doesn't work because they're trying to compact too much information that you don't have time to emotionally process it. So I appreciate the patience done with this movie that like, I mean, even just barely seeing a sandworm is a pretty big deal. And, and like, I think that works. But the problem is we have now been bred and indoctrined to not have patience with this kind of thing. So this is a movie that not is is not only requiring patience, but I think will reward patience. And I think people are going to have like the oh moments like in the second one. And it's going to hit harder and mean more than it would have if they had got the big like Game of Thrones last two seasons style rewards happening earlier on. And it takes and it takes a big fucking pair of brass balls to to end it on kind of just walking through the desert. There's no yeah. it, the, the, the payoff yeah. isn't really there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like and and I, I like Fuck this, is, this is the uh, end. No, but this is, this I, is, love, this is I actually love that. I was waiting for it. No, I thought that was rad. Because, because, well, well, if well, I may, I, for, I read a lot of reviews that said that they didn't like the ending, and I was like, well, I was because, waiting for it. And I was like, because because there's an obsession with having to have a, a level of of closure 
that like that doesn't necessarily exist in these things if you're splitting a book in half, which is a hundred percent to Conan's point. But like this slow walk through everything, where it has to be like there's a payoff at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like is is something that we've kind of come to expect. And I don't necessarily think that part of it is Marvel movies. That part of it is just movies a lot of times in general because they want to kind of give you a self-contained story, especially if if they assume maybe you're not going to go see the second one. Um, you know, like they want to make their money off you now. And it's like they want to give you a self-contained story so you can go, all right, well, I, I got that. But this, this is kind of uh, planting a seed. And there's going to be a tree that grows out of that seed 100%. Like maybe they're not going to fulfill the whole thing and it's going to be a fucked up, weird, spirally tree. But like still like, you know, they're, they're planting a seed right now so that later on, um, you know, when it when it fully grows, you're like you, you really are like, oh, like, oh, shit. Like that's what they were they, that they were doing through this. And I, and I also think that I mean, no pun intended, I guess, doing doing through this. But um, like it's also like, uh, you know, but at the same time, we we have these like miniseries that we watch, you know what I mean? Like, and you have like six episodes of something and then they see whether you like it or not. And then they create like another season of it. Like, so it's not really that uh, radical in the sense of like when it's on TV and you see a, a short story and they're like, well, let's leave it on a cliffhanger and see if people respond to this. We don't have any kind of reaction to that. We're just like, Oh, all right. Well, it, it'll come back. You know what I mean? Like in this case, when it's a, when it's a movie and you're like, you know, people are dissatisfied with it. Like, fuck you for being dissatisfied with it. Like, you don't get that. Like, you don't necessarily, you don't deserve, like, you don't necessarily, like, it's not like you're guaranteed an ending that you like. You know what I mean? Like, maybe, maybe test it out and see if you like it and then give somebody a full dose of whatever it is after the fact. Absolutely. So I like the ending. I think the ending is good in the fact that if you don't like, so we had Jeremy and Jane on who are both fantastic and they're both like Uber fans of the books and they can like rattle off all the stuff that I'm like, look, I've been drinking. So I, I I'm not gonna be able to rattle off half this stuff, but like I, I, on the best of days, like I wouldn't be able to touch their like knowledge of the mythos. And I'm still drinking. There you go. Uh, but <laughs> What I like is that you don't have to know any of that stuff to enjoy the movie. And I think if you don't know any of that stuff and, and you watch this movie, you're like, oh, is this kid going to be able to like, what's going on here? Like he's hanging out with these like natives now and like, OK, what's what's happening? Like, you don't know he's going to become the Moadib that his name is a killing word, like, you know, type of guy. In he fact, released the infamous. Then they release, you know, a bunch of other albums. Wait, you said you said Mob Deep, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mob Deep, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but in fact, like if you as you watch the movie, like the way, and again, I I think I misjudged his performance originally. That it seems like he's not up to the task. It's sort of like ah, oh, this fucking kid. Like who gives a shit about this kid? And then it's sort of like oh no, but wait, he turns into something incredibly special because he has these outside his experience outside of his like royal privilege where he actually gets to see like, Oh, these are pe these people are oppressed and I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to take the lessons that I've learned as like the, you know, John F Kennedy style child of privilege. And I'm going to apply that towards helping people that are disenfranchised much as my father has tried to do. And you don't get to see those results. And it's such a bold move for a modern movie to be like, Hey, is he 
I don't know. He's fucking hanging out with these guys now. Like there's a worm. That's cool, right? Anyway, check you later. Like, I'm glad I'm not. I'm not. I'm glad I'm not the only one that kind of felt the John F. Kennedy thing too. Um, no, it was this specific, like, yeah, like I. <laughs> um, it was well, I mean, knowing, thing. knowing, yeah. knowing, like the the time period, obviously, you know, like that this that the books originally came out. You're like, all right, well, there's that connection to it. But like something about the performance in this, I'm like, yeah, no, I feel like there's like a JFK connection. I didn't know whether it was all the books that I've been reading about like JFK recently or whether it was like explicitly there. So. You know, I feel validated, I guess, by <laughs> so, so and and like look, I'm not trying to get into a conversation about privilege, but ultimately the Paul Trades story is, is about a child of privilege, like becoming a champion of, of, of the people. And it's not it's not it's actually not a fucking white savior story. Anyone says that's a fucking simpleton and they should shut the fuck up forever. Yeah, because that Irish. isn't what it is. Oh, Thank you. Uh but uh, <laughs> I think that uh I think the movie does a great job of showing that. And if you're willing to accept it on the face of it and outside of it uh, from from the books and uh, and from the movies, like people that love the books, there's so much to love here. Like 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 said, you know, earlier on nine out of ten. Right. You know, agreed. And but the thing is, you don't have to know that to be like, wow, that was crazy. There was a big ass fucking giant worm they're on this crazy planet these people are being oppressed there's all this bullshit going on and like you know zendaya's in this movie apparently like i mean you know like it's it works it and it in works dreams in a way, i walk <laughs> with you <laughs> it, and it works in a way that i was cautiously optimistic and i was very happy to be sort of vindicated in that way I, I think that there's an also, I mean, uh, like a hundred percent, this is, this is there in the sixties one, like fully like, and I, and I mean, I haven't read the books, but like, you know, you can, you can tell through like people, you know, the conversation about it. And I've watched Frank Herbert talk about what he was trying to achieve with it quite a bit. Like, and there's the, the um, colonialism conversation, which a hundred percent was going on like at that time. Right. And that's also the connection to JFK as someone who, for the first time, really, I mean, after like the Eisenhower presidency, not to go into it too deeply, but kind of realized that, you know, the third worldist version of, of, of the world wasn't just an, like a, like an East West, uh, you know, like, um, like first world, second world, um, the, the, the economy, it really, there's a third, there's a third world that, you know, um, which takes up most of the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like Africa, Asia, like, um, that is separate from that. And, so that colonial conversation, the colonialism conversation, like shines through with, with most famously in Dune. And um, I think that we've kind of had a re reappraisal of, of colonialism and imperialism as, as we should. <laughs> sure. Yeah. As we should. But, yeah. But, totally. but like, so in, in this context now, because that's, that's not a conversation that was going on in the eighties because Reagan was a <laughs> bringing up my good friend, <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Well, in the eighties, it wasn't really a conversation you were allowed to have. We fucking invaded uh, Grenada. We invaded like a, a lot of different places and we had Vietnam syndrome, which was, you know, after the Vietnam war, which literally was us taking over for French imperialism and invading a country that didn't do shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like Ho Chi Minh was literally a leader that was like, I admire George Washington. I, I want you guys to know, like I admire George Washington. I really enjoy like, declaration of independence i need you guys to know like this i'm trying to wage the same struggle against the french that you guys waged against the english 
or you're like, no, we don't want anything to be disrupted because of our because of the Cold War. Like we're going to fucking fully invade Vietnam and then kill as many people as we can. Like you know what I mean? Like that that was happening as Dune was being written, but yeah. you know the, the the David Lynch version taking place in the '80s, we kind of had Vietnam syndrome um, in, in in the U.S., which you know. Uh, president after president tried to invade different places to be like hey let's break our uh our, our our fear of invading more places because we we lost a war for the first time and in that context you can't really talk about that colonial element you can't really talk about the imperialist element of it um because we're in such a weird space now we're kind of having this reappraisal of colonial and neo-colonial uh structures that it feels like this is a good time for dune to come out i think again Sure. And that's a lot to unpack and practically a whole separate podcast and a statement. But that said, like, you know, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with any of it. I, what I think is, is, and I hammer the point home again, this is the, the story, the complicated, you know, political situation where you have someone who's come from a position of privilege and power using that privilege and power to decide I'm going to do something better with this and make people's lives better. And I think that's an incredible message. And I think that actually might be one of the reasons why people are engaging with it that are like younger than any of the folks on this panel that like are like, hey, I can fuck with this because you know what? I yeah. can fuck with this. And but I already also, know, this you know, I know it turns also, out. I read the book. There's, <laughs> there's the a there's a there's a direct <laughs> there's a direct connection to a certain period of time, which is like when, you know, um, I think that colonialism and imperialism had just started. And I was thinking about um, the ivory trade and I like, I'm sorry that this is, this is the level of deepness that I go to when I think about things, but I was thinking about like, you know, the worm, the worm kind of being the, the center of everything and having to actually take the, the spice from the worm itself or, you know what I mean? Like the casings and like the ivory trade, which, you know, going into Africa and literally having to take tusks off of elephants. Like it feels like, all right it's called spice and like we're kind of put into like the notion of thinking about the spice trade but at the same time like ivory is a much more um well i mean now at least a much more expensive uh you know uh commodity and it's a commodity that like really you have to take from the actual from a a giant animal itself to actually have as something that people use for things at this time so like there really feels like there's a lot of connections to that to to a to a long gone era, but also like you know the existence of things that are are still um, being being used as uh, justification for imperialism or for um, uh, poaching. And it's a commodity, right? And, and mm -hmm. like, and that's worth mentioning. But also, just from a sheer having nothing with any of that, I like that the worms were bigger in this one. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry for going deeper with well, that. No, no, it's your, it's your, you don't have to pop we, it. We, we, show, we, love, we love big worms here. At we love them. We love them, folks. We love the big worms. We love the small worms, too. But we really love the big worms better than any. Anyway, hey, really? I, I, suppose, I suppose that's my, my, my closing statement. And, and I, mm. I was very impressed with it. And I was skeptical, but cautiously optimistic. And I was, I was happy to be proven um, curious rather than judgmental. I really, I really didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did because I feel like when things are kind of universally uh, loved or accepted, which isn't this isn't the fault of anyone that really 
was involved with it. But like when things are treated to that level, sometimes I feel like there, there's no way it can really uh, live up to what you expect it's going to or what you're told it's going to. And this movie like still did, which is insane. Are you sure you're not Gen X, by the way? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, really fucking old, Andy. Yeah, um, I got to make this quick because because uh, my wife needs to go to bed and me podcasting here is keeping her up. So, um, uh, but the thing is, is uh, I will say this movie is a good start. Um, but I also feel like you can't necessarily judge the movie because we we unlike Paul cannot see the futures. We can only see the potential futures. Are the sequels going to be? You can't um, flip your like, you can't flip your eyes runs. up into your head because huh. I can do that. Yeah, but you can see the future when you do it. Um, taking enough drugs. Uh, Only the important and, I've <laughs> taken plenty of drugs. <laughs> um, but but like like you know so so like to, to to fully appreciate the movie, it's it's really hard because we only have like uh, half of one book. You know, the fall of House Atreides, and, and as a standalone movie, does it work? Uh, mostly. I, I'd say that there's a a few, you know, I, I don't feel it ends like, like like the you know as a standalone movie. If we are not getting anything more, um, does it have a satisfying ending? Maybe I don't know. It depends on your taste. But um, overall, though, like like once we have the sequels, will that change my opinion of this movie? Absolutely, we will see it. Uh, if it's going to be like Game of Thrones or or uh, uh, or like the original Lord of the Rings, you know, which which. Which will it be? Who I like the, the part where the I like the part where Paul Atreides said, "Ich bin ein Berliner." Anyway, um, <laughs> my These final worms are an inexhaustible resource, and they will help us <laughs> achieve prosperity throughout Arrakis. <laughs> At first, the Fremen seemed to be challenging a colonial system, but now they've taken it too far. Um, my, too far. My final, <laughs> My final thought is I serve only one master and his name is Shai Halud. Anyway, we will be <laughs> back on on Saturday talking about, you know, Paul Atreides uh, of the 80s, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to include Kyle McLaughlin. I, I, over, oh, I overdosed him. Doom I overdosed starring Patrick Swayze? I would... I would the, the, I would the, the, yeah, I would, I would totally fuck with that. Fuck, I'm, I'm Sam Elliott. Fuck with Sam Elliott a way. I mean, I, dude, what about what about that too? <laughs> what about what about uh, Patrick Swayze as what about Patrick Swayze as Paul Atreides, and then you have uh, you know his, his father as Sam Elliott, and that would be oh, Le- you know I mean? Sam Elliott's Leto. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. You're my you're my son. Anyway, all right, well. My one well, he's master, got the mustache. The mustache is required. Anyway, go on. My one bastard. Yeah, I halud. Good good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>